Bonzilla presents Pirates of the Caribbean. Each week we set sail into the world of pirates. This week Jack Sparrow returns to match wits with Blackbeard, find the Fountain of Youth, and see a mermaid or two. It's 2011's Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Everybody, welcome. It is time once again for a Bonzilla Presents episode about the wonderful franchise that is known as Pirates of the Caribbean. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, we've made it through the original trilogy of Pirates films, which is the parts of this we were very much looking forward to revisiting and, you know, that, that the whole Will and Elizabeth and Jack story coming together. But I think, Honestly, it's sort of like revisiting. Well, for me, I haven't even seen Pirates Five. I still haven't. I've been. I had. I never saw it, and I was waiting now. Well, since we decided to do Pirates to to watch it, but like revisiting this film was. You know, it's kind of the interesting thing, right? Where you go to the the lesser liked films of a franchise and, and to, to really dig into what really makes them that way, or you know, if they are underrated, or if they're parts that we like. Like th- this is the stuff that I always really like doing. Mm-hmm. on Bonzilla is like kind of these types of movies where you're like like I I mean I, I don't I might probably talk about this a little bit later again like without doing this I would have no reason to rewatch Pirates 4 because like like if I was going to watch a Pirates movie it would be one of those first three like if I was just going to sit down hey I feel like watching Pirates of the Caribbean I'm just going to watch one of the original trilogy films like I don't really have any reason to sit down and be like i'm gonna watch on stranger tides today which is the movie of course we're talking about but it, it is interesting to like have a chance to revisit these types of movies and and to really kind of dig into sort of what their place is and what what their strengths and weaknesses are i don't know there's a quality to the last two movies where every now and then you know when you're with friends and then you just have to like revisit something that you all collectively experienced and you're like wait what went wrong what was the story behind that like what happened back then and then and then you go back and then you revisit you're like oh yeah that was that was a crazy mess and then that's kind of so there's a there's a bit of a quality every now and then where i do even go back and sh- and and check out these movies a little bit but that but the thing about it though it's like it's in bits and pieces so i don't because i don't think i've seen this movie since theaters right and which oh, I, I didn't did. realize until i was re-watching it and then like i don't even think i've re-watched the next one fully but i sometimes do that thing where i'm like to remember kind of jog my memory about what happened you go on just youtube and see like how much of it you can watch just via clips mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah and then you start piecing it together so that's kind of like how those movies how these movies live in my head but to your point it was interesting there's always just an interesting quality when you realize you haven't seen a movie in years or since theaters then it's almost the closest thing that you can get to a fresh watch right yeah and i I think there is sort of like we talked about this a lot over the course of this podcast in the and the various films um that we have talked about um 
And I think what's always interesting too, is that you do get to go back to these types of movies at a different point in your life. Like we've talked about how certain movies like didn't hit, like when you were, when you first watch it, and then you kind of watch it later with a different film experience and life experience and where you are and where you were. And you're like, Oh yeah, now I kind of get this, or I see this better or, or on the opposite, like, Oh, well, I really liked this one as a kid. Now I don't like it as much. You know, that happened many times on, on the Bond and Godzilla side of things. But even like so recently enough, like that happened with me on, you know, when we talked about the Star Trek, the, the Final Frontier, you know, Shatner's film, where it's like, you know, that first time I'm like, oh, yeah, I get why everybody doesn't like it. And, yo, know, I'm, I'm it's definitely the wor- one of the worst ones. And I watched it with, with for the podcast. I'm like, you know what? This it's still not the best of these, but it's really not that bad. You know, and I think like you can have that experience because you have a different perspective just on life in general. And I, I, I think it is like I've come to this thing in my in my film watching life. And I and I I think it's influenced by the, some of the, the people we know and our friends with who watch a bunch of just movies all the time. But I, I've really come to the conclusion that it's like sometimes worth watching bad movies i'm not not sometimes it's worth revisiting movies that were critically well yeah it's like like, yeah go ahead you you mean you get to like that's why it's the closest thing to a fresh watch and it's even better because then you really get to know like you just know everything i mean it's not even like it's 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 like kind of like what they always say about rewatching anything whether it's good or bad it's like you kind of have gotten it out of your system like what the plot is and like the twists and turns and the experience of just knowing what it is the first time. And then you can just pick up on nuances the second time. So, but it's always interesting. You're right to go back and look at maybe like, I almost find it more fun to go back and look at like your like less favorable movies. Mm-hmm. Cause then you really get to, I mean, it sounds like you're kicking it while it's down when I say it this way, but it's like, you just get to kind of parse like what works, what doesn't work for you. Um, and you just I always walk out of it feeling it's just a more interesting conversation. And especially with this movie, because this movie was an experience where I did go into it having a very specific thought. And then I kind of came out of it um, with more interesting thoughts than I thought I was going to have. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And I'll be very interested to kind of very interested to get more into it. Uh, as we kind of talk about the movie, because I, I, I actually had a very similar experience with this. It, well, and, and it, like, you know, without getting too into it, but to kind of like give a good example of what I'm what I'm saying is that I know, like, I, I remember the movie. Like, I know what happens. I know, like, how it ends. Sorry, that's my Banjo-Kazooie uh, ringtone. Uh, but, um, you know, I know, like, the plot. I know, and I know the beginning, middle, and end, I know all, like, the major plot points of the movie, and, like, I did find myself, like, having kind of, like, noticing the runtime, because, like, you know, I'm at a certain point in the movie, and I'm, like, and, you know, I have my thoughts about it, and then I'm, like, oh, man, we still haven't done this, 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 and this, Mm -hmm. and then it makes you walk out of it, like, thinking about, like, how economical it is with the runtime, and you can think about that a little bit more clearly, because you know the whole plot of the movie, so that's kind of an example of what I mean about... Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the favorable things of like uh, being able to think about the movie when you already know all about it. Yeah, for sure. 
and and I think it also yeah like knowing different characters and just different events and just having like kind of that perspective where you can kind of watch it like I know this is coming up but like what the actual details were that's always kind of an interesting sort of bit about it uh, but with that you know uh, we can get into sort of you know where Pirates 4 comes to be because this was you know very much a thing where this was never intended to be you know, more than one movie, much less, you know, a whole franchise of films. But you had a trilogy of films that for a good amount of its characters pretty much set them up to be done, you know? And mm-hmm. really you had one one character and one element of the story, maybe like one and one and a half that you could continue on. And so it's interesting sort of see where this comes about. And then the basic idea was you know, Bruckheimer and the core team at Disney at the time, you know, Dick Cook and everybody knew that, okay, Pirates, the trilogy was its thing. And the main kind of story that they wanted to tell with those films was done. But Bruckheimer's like, well, there's always a chance for a spinoff. There's always a chance for more. We did leave, you know, Jack out in the open sea. And he is, you know, the breakout star character of the film. And everybody knew going into it, yeah, there's, we're not bringing back Will, back Will and Elizabeth. We're not going back to that story. But let's kind of figure out something to do with uh, Jack, uh, especially because the successful you know, opening weekends of both uh, Edman's Chest and At World's End, uh, there was no doubt that, hey, this was kind of a, a big franchise for the company which, you know, again, was in this sort of realm where this is the beginning of the Iger era as CEO. They had just purchased Pixar. We're right around the corner from the Marvel purchase. Uh, but really, it was like Pixar was a bread and butter. Disney Animation was still trying to revamp itself. The rest of the studio's live action stuff at this time still wasn't at that point where, you know, where we haven't hit that uh, Alice in Wonderland billion dollar live action box office and, and the real start of this remake craze that the company is is still in. So Pirates was very much a money making like this is our star franchise. This is our Star Trek. This is our Star Wars. This is our Mission Impossible. You know, this is kind of the bread and butter that we can keep going back to. So the decision was pretty much made immediately. Hey, we're going to be, you know, definitely doing a fourth film at some point. And the main thing about this was, hey, there's no way we're doing a fourth film without Johnny Depp. The, 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 the train won't leave this station without Jack Sparrow being back because that's really the one angle that they still had to play. That's the one way that they were they knew they were still going to make a boatload of money because uh, we and I, I want to talk about this a little bit later, too. But like we are right in the midst of that peak Depp era, right? Like we're in the midst of that era where he's legitimately one of the top, if not the top box office star in Hollywood. Like he, he's definitely on like the, the top three at this point, just with the amount of money that his films and the amount of tension his films get. And also just the way that he was allowed this freedom to kind of just do whatever with these performances and to be as weird and Johnny Deppy as possible. Uh, and Depp was definitely interested in returning uh, and he said he would, you know, at this point, he would come back to play that character any time. It was an important character to him. And eventually, like pretty much even before a script or director or anything was really set in stone, uh, Depp was signed on to a huge, you know, $55 million contract with script approval, all that sort of stuff. He got he got 
he got the whatever he wanted. Disney was very much in the in the Johnny Depp wheelhouse, and they they wanted him to keep doing these movies with him. Uh, and I mean, it's again, they were gonna do sign him up to do the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland, and he was already in the talks to do the Gore Verbinski Lone Ranger. And speaking of Gore Verbinski. Uh, at the beginning of this process, Disney did really want Gore to come back for a fourth movie. They enjoyed working with him. They liked his style. They thought he was very efficient and, and, and just like, you know, made these Pirates films work. And they had a little bit of hope uh, to do this because uh, there were some script issues with Gore's project of The Lone Ranger, which, you know, he eventually would end up doing. Uh, and his uh, Bioshock movie was officially delayed uh, just around the start of the direct searching process. So Gore was seemingly free. Uh, and it, it, I got the, the, the sense I got from Gore was that he, there was sort of like a, maybe I could, but he had really moved on from doing the pirate stuff. And he was looking for sort of different genres to play with at this point. Uh, he was developing this Lone Ranger movie, but he, talked about how Disney wanted the Pirates movie first to kind of like build up that depth, uh, you know, box office thing even more to really make it more of a star to really showcase that he's bankable. Uh, so the Lone Ranger movie was kind of pushed back to being after this Pirates release. And eventually Gore would go on to take the job of directing Rango uh, instead of going to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, part four. Uh, so instead our director for this movie ends up being Rob Marshall, um, which is a very interesting choice. Uh, it was a Bruckheimer choice. Bruckheimer thought that all of Marshall's films to this point, which were before this film, Chicago, which was his big, you know, big kind of coming out filmmaking role and Memoirs of a Geisha um, about the couple, uh, previous years. Uh, Marshall had gotten his start as a Broadway choreographer a, a very you know well-known well-regarded broadway choreographer that eventually got the job directing chicago and had moved on into a film directing career and marshall was very eager to do something different because uh you know he has started doing kind of drama films with memoirs of a geisha and then with this one he was just like it's a big franchise you're going to get to play with the Jack Sparrow character. And that's a really fun character. And the thing that appealed to him most about taking on Pirates 4 is that it was a fresh start for him. He could have all these characters. He could have all these scenarios. And he didn't have to really come in and, and play with all the characters originally. He just had like Sparrow and Barbosa and Gibbs to really, you know, tie these films together. But he kind of had the freedom to do what he wanted as a director. And of course, Elliot and Rocio are also back. And their intention from moment one was, okay, they wanted to go a James Bond route. They wanted to go like, okay, this is going to be kind of a standalone-ish movie. Uh, you know, maybe has references here and there to kind of the previous adventures, but it's really kind of its own thing. And Disney sort of wanted to put in some things to maybe like, hey, we could put a trilogy out of this. But Rocio and Elliot were very much like, yeah, maybe we kind of planted a few things, a post credit scene here or there. But we really kind of made this a standalone movie. And when Elliot and Rocio decided to you know, embark on this Pirates adventure, they looked to the end of Pirates uh, at World's End. Johnny Depp, uh, Jack Sparrow had just gotten this map. He had cut it out. The Fountain of Youth, which was an idea previously explored for, uh, you know, other the other two sequels was was uh was there was there for the taking and 
as well. They went back to their ideas of pirate lore and pirate history and kind of got the idea of, hey, Blackbeard is you know, the big name, one of the other big names of pirate history, something we haven't explored yet. We could kind of have some fun with that. But in the immediate cursory research of Pirates, uh, the Fountain of Youth and um, Blackbeard, in that, in that process, they found that while both of these were very heavily featured in the famous 1987 Tim Powers novel on Stranger Tides, uh, which also served as influence for the Monkey Island franchise, was one of the most known kind of pirate texts, I guess you would say, of, of the past kind of 20, 30 years. Uh, and so they really liked this idea of Blackbeard and the Fountain of Youth. There was a lot of worry at Disney that, hey, you know, if we do this, you know, it could be sort of like get one of those copyright, like, hey, you took these ideas from me. So Disney just like, okay, we're just going to buy the rights to the novel and say this is like a partial adaptation just to like make it all official, put all the money on the table. So that's why you see that the novel was that the movie was, you know, inspired by the Tim Powers novel or suggested by that novel. Uh, And while there were a few here and there ideas that they took directly from the book just because they had the rights to it, Ali Rocio essentially said this is pretty much an original story because if you didn't have Jack Sparrow or Barbosa or any of those characters in that novel. Um, And even though the novel does have a daughter character, it's very much not the Angelica character we see. So Rocio and Elliot were very clear that like that was more for our legal, a legal situation um, and an inspiration in general. Um, But uh, yeah. And that's also why the movie is called on stranger tides because the novel it is technically based on is on stranger tides. Mm -hmm. Um. The other thing that was very important to um, Elliot and Rocio in terms of writing this movie was they wanted to take sort of something like the Kraken, something like those elements, Davy Jones, that is like kind of a real thing that, you know, real kind of legend that, you know, they can put their own spin on. And the first thing that came to their minds was the idea of, of course, mermaids. Uh, And you know, yeah, you I remember can, dis- I remember distinctly when this movie was coming out. It was I always looked at it as one as like, oh, it's the one that's finally putting mermaids in. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and this was the joke that everybody made and, and the writers included in this where it's like, well, this 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 isn't your little mermaid. These oh, right. aren't your yeah, yeah, these yeah. aren't your aerials. These aren't your king right. trains that they. Well, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, as a as a selling point, you always think you're clever, but it's like the thing it's. You're doing like, oh, this is like really kind of what like the lore of actual mermaids are. Yeah. No, and, but then, that, and then but, everybody thinks they're clever for like doing it that way. Yeah. Um, so. They they were very eager, as you just said, to kind of take the actual lore of what a mermaid is and sort of the legend and sort of the more the horror of a mermaid yeah, like the siren uh, song all, all that kind of stuff which yeah. which, which which led them and it's sort of like the mermaid's role kept expanding in the script uh to the point where like that big action sequence was a central set piece the kind of the mermaid attack becomes a central set piece of the of the movie uh another person that had a lot of writing influence on this movie was johnny depp himself that he said he had kind of had the script control and he had a lot of uh a lot of discussions with Elliot and Rocio about him and his character and the characters of the film. 
Uh, and it was Depp's idea specifically to bring in a missionary character, which thank you for that, Johnny Depp. Uh, that was very much worth uh, worth, yeah. worth the pitch. Um, so that was very well, much. Well, I mean, it's not a bad pitch, but, you know, the execution. You don't have to use it. Yeah. <laughs> you can pitch whatever you want. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so he's he kind of brings in the the missionary uh, idea and he has a few other sort of uh, ones that 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 come pop up uh, throughout the film itself. Um, Depp was very, again, very enthusiastic, though. He said that um, there was a little drama uh, during the actual production, you know, the, the lead up to this movie. You know, Dick Cook, then president of Walt Disney Pictures, left or was 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 taken out of, of the picture and, and eventually uh, replaced. And Depp said that that was like a core relationship with him and Pirates was like, you know, nobody wanted him on that first movie. But Dick Cook thought that he would bring something. So there was a little drama with that. But again, everything kind of settled out and they eventually made the movie officially announced at the 2009 D23 Expo for a 2011 release. Uh, so as the script comes together, of course, we get the uh, cast of the movie. Uh, our main returning players from the Pirates franchise, Johnny Depp does return as uh, Jack Sparrow. We also have, of course, Jeffrey Rush uh, as Hector Barbosa, um, who has a very different uh, sort of story in this movie, of course, working for, you know, the the, the, the king's government and everything like that. Uh, Je- uh, Jeffrey was very excited to have the peg leg. Because he thought that, again, it was like really much, you know, very pirate thing and something that they really hadn't had done. And he was he was going to be very dedicated to it. He talked about how he worked with the stunt team and he worked with, you know, a lot of people and how like someone actually walks with a peg leg. And there was a lot of discussions with Jeffrey about actually sort of putting him in a peg leg uh, for the film, like an actual wooden peg leg. Unfortunately, like the production team just ran out of time to make it like effective enough that it would work. So they just went with the kind of the blue sock uh, and they put a knob, like a doorknob at the end of his uh, shoe Mm -hmm. at the bottom of his shoe to kind of simulate the like, okay, this is what it's like walking on an actual peg. Uh, And of course we also have Kevin McNally as Gibbs returning. And it's just one of the, like he's, he's always going to come back for the pirates movie. It's like his, his biggest role in, in anything as well. Uh, I do want to mention that a couple of the, uh, the uh, the uh, the classic um, side English characters come back, including uh, Thomas Groves, uh, who had previously worked under both uh, uh, Cutler Beckett and Norrington. It so took he, me half the movie until I'm like, I think that's that same guy. Yeah. And then, looked, and then I looked it up and then I'm like, oh, it is that it is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but of course, with a new movie and kind of a, a moving away from the trilogy, uh, we do have a big new cast of characters. Uh, we have Penelope Cruz, kind of with a, probably the biggest addition to this movie, the, the one that was definitely most marketed in mm-hmm. this movie as uh, Angelica, the daughter of Blackbeard. Uh, this was 100% a Rob Marshall decision. Um, there was no other actress uh, considered for the role of Angelica. Uh, he, uh, Rob Marshall was just coming off of the production of the musical Nine, the filming of the musical Nine with uh, Penelope Cruz. Uh, was in it uh, and he looked at her in that movie and looked at her body of work and said like oh man like 
this is an actress who can go to toe, go toe to toe with Johnny Depp and kind of have that feistiness and that cleverness that like Sparrow has. There's, they can kind of have that relationship and that back and forth. Uh, and Cruz uh, signed on without even reading a script. She thought it was just a good, uh, uh, thought it would just be a fun time and, and something, you know, again, a little bit different for her and, and to be involved in a big franchise like this. Though, of course, uh, a lot of people do know this, but it's worth talking about the big story about Penelope Cruz uh, during the filming of this movie is shortly before uh, production was really underway, uh, she found out she was pregnant. And, I do remember this. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, so they were able to do a lot of shooting with her in the early, early stages of her pregnancy. But eventually, you know, that baby bump does get big. Uh, and so they had to do a lot of, you know, you had to re kind of do all the clothing to hide it. They had to do, you know, the rest of her shots all sort of like shoulders up. Uh, and any long distance shots or any kind of more dangerous sort of stunt type sequences, uh, Penelope's sister, Monica Cruz, uh, stood in as a body double. Uh, but Penelope did do a lot of the training for the sword fighting and that sword fighting sequence at the beginning uh, uh, of her character introduction and, and did a lot of work that, you know, ultimately she only got to do a part of just because of her pregnancy. Uh, and then our Blackbeard in this movie um, was uh, Ian McShane of other things. He's in other things. I don't know. Deadwood. I, I, yeah, Deadwood is the big. That's thing. like the thing. That's like the thing. Right. But I mean, but I mean, like Ian McShane from a bunch of other stuff. He is Kung, in a bunch Kung of Fu stuff. Panda. That's true. No, I mean um, he he is he is the, he is he's great and he's he's. But it was one of those things where. When because with all these pirates movies like this, like you're always like wondering, like, well, who are the new, who are the new players, who who's coming in? And I remember Penelope Cruz coming in as, uh, you know, uh, to play off Jack, and then you have Ian McShane coming in to play back Blackbeard the villain. And then I just remember that was like, oh, that checks out. Not only for like the roles, but those two type of actors are like, yeah, that's perfect additions to the pirates world and everything like i just remember like that that just that just fits yes uh so the other actors that were in consideration for this role was uh penelope cruz's husband javier bardem Mm -hmm. uh who we will eventually meet down the road he'll he'll get his time up at that yeah yeah uh and alfred molina was also uh auditioned for uh the role of blackbeard all right i can see that yeah yeah uh but eventually rob went with mcshane because he thought that mcshane would have a a scary presence, but he could really play the sort of like dry humor of the series yeah. and sort of be have every always have sort of a, a humorous tone to himself. Uh, McShane said he loved his costume, which he called very much like a biker pirate. It was all just dark black leather. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just said he had a ton of fun just playing the, the black beard uh, character uh, mm-hmm. for uh, this movie. Um, we also have our missionary and mermaid. I, I should mention them. I uh, guess. <laughs> well, it's really because like they're both basically not really. They're the well they're they're the white couple of this. Yeah, they are of this movie. <laughs> uh, Sham Chaplin plays Philip, who's the missionary. He was essentially just out of drama school. One of his kind of early auditions, it just kind of got the role. Uh, and then Astrid uh, Burgeons Finsby as uh, Serena the mermaid. Uh, she was a uh, Spanish French actress who Rob Marshall saw in a magazine of up and coming French actresses and basically just 
you know, plopped her out of there, out, out of the, out of the, out of the blue and just said, Hey, you're our mermaid. <laughs> um, in general, the mermaids, another kind of infamous story that surrounds this. One of the, the more infamous quotes uh, around this movie is the fact that the casting call for the mermaids required that they did not have breast implants. Ha! And then when Bruckheimer, I did not know this. When Bruckheimer was asked about this, he said, well, I don't think they had breast augmentation in the 1700s. So it would make sense that the casting department says we want real people. So that was by that that logic. Even if they did, I don't think mermaids would be going to get them on account of that. They're mermaids, right? Like, you know, mermaids are a fantasy element anyways. Uh, but uh, I do, the- I do. My mermaid story with this though is like I, I was like I remember as the scene was coming up, and all I thought about like, is this the movie where Cara Delevingne has a cameo as a mermaid? And it's not. It's that Pan movie, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I think or that the 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 Hugh Jackman, uh, Peter Pan movie, whatever that one was. Mm-hmm. But I always remember like there 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 is a movie where. Like, like somebody like a known is like cameos as a mermaid. But yeah, uh, there's the hot mermaid times around this time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that story. Um, again, Depp would like with the writing has some influence on the cast. Uh, sort of the the one pirate scrum that kind of is kind of his sidekick throughout a portion of the movie is played by Stephen Graham. Uh, who Depp had really enjoyed working with on the film Public Enemies and requested that he have a role in the movie. And then uh, the king, King George, was played by Richard Griffins, who was an actor that Depp loved from the 80s and had always wanted to work with and just had like, hey, if I have carte blanche on requesting actors to go with us, let's do this. Um, In the original script, there was a Pintel and Rigetti cameo written, um, but Marshall was basically like, this is the exact type of thing that is going to get cut out of the movie. Mm. So let's just like, let's just kind of cut the middleman and, and get out of there. Um, but even um, the Patel and Rigetti actors had said that they had, you know, they would have been interested, but they're happy that their stories ended where it did that, you know, they didn't necessarily need to come in for like a five, you know, a, a, a minute cameo or anything like that. Right, right, right. Um, so filming takes place mostly in London at Pinewood Studios, as well as Hawaii for the kind of fountain of youth. The 18th century London street was all built at Pinewood, uh, kind of based on, you know, they were just outside London. They're, they're right there. They kind of based it a lot of historical accuracy and all that sort of all that sort of jazz. The Black Pearl doesn't really feature in this movie, which we'll get into. Uh, so Blackbeard's ship, the Queen and Revenge, is just a redress of the main Black Pearl ship that's been used since uh, Dead Man's Chest. Um, and the uh, ship that the um, Bla- uh, Barbosa uses with his, uh, you know, government crew is a refurbished ship, the HMS Sunrise, that was originally purchased by Fox for use in the Russell Crowe film Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Um, and so that was part of the, the other thing, of course, like, like with all the other pirates movies, they really filmed on these real ships. And a lot of that element of the movie, uh, is very, very real. Uh, and that was also a thing of Marshall that he had to get used to that element of being on the open sea, uh, which is something that Gore was very used to already. It was something Mm -hmm. new for Marshall. Um, 
Marshall was very direct with all of his actors, you know, working very directly with him. That's the way he does it. It's kind of his history with musicals, you know, and having to work very distinctly with choreography and all that sort of stuff really makes him a hands-on actor's director. And even with, with the mermaids, it was Marshall who like was there at their training sessions when they kind of learned to do like dolphin kicks and certain, certain moves that would most help them like in their mermaid performances. That's a really funny thing that you mentioned about Marshall and like his filmography because I think this may be the least set PC movie, at least in the way that we know it. Like, in ter- like we know, like, the Pirates movies, especially in the last two, uh, it, Dead Man's Chess and At World's End became very much like that whole, like, Rube Goldberg, like, you know, lots of, like, like fun, like, people flying around on stuff and stepping in on opportune moments and, like, things like that. And And it's funny that kind of thinking about this movie there's what there's kind of one at the beginning but it's very light on it for the rest of it like there's a lot of stunts there's a lot of things that happen mm-hmm. but i just think it's funny that like he got the movie that has like the least of them out of the out of the all of them i think especially like and maybe i'm just thinking ahead to the next one that just goes bonkers so for sure um which I haven't seen, but I, I can only assume it's going to go all over the yeah. top. Uh, uh, another element of this film that really showcases the era in which it was made was the fact that they decided to shoot using 3D cameras. Um, and really, you know, the emphasis on, oh, we're doing 3D movies. Uh, the move the, the the cameras that they used were pretty much like the next version up from the movie uh, from the cameras that were used to film Avatar in 3D. Uh, and Bruckheimer has, you know, kind of his like one of his things and like the media was like, oh, this is the first like exterior shoot 3D camera movie because Avatar was all done in soundstage. And we took the 3D cameras to Hawaii and we took them on, on the open sea. So, you know, we we're kind of doing something different. And, and, you know, it was just sort of that thing where it was cinema at the time, right? You had to double, always double check that whether you bought the 3D movie ticket or the regular movie ticket. Uh, I, have, I, well, I had an information. Just uh, never went to a 3D movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a story where I, I accidentally saw Mad Max Fury Road in 3D. Oh, really? I just I, I didn't look close. And that was way. Well, maybe that maybe you're forgiven for that because that was way after the craze. Right. So you yeah. were you were not expecting it. <laughs> we were. Um, but yeah, this that was really at the at the time of the craze. Uh, a couple other like there's a, this is one of those movies that has a lot of fun stories attached. Like there was an incident where a Jack Sparrow impersonator got onto set because security saw Jack Sparrow coming on the set and thought nothing of it. Didn't really look at him closely. Didn't check for ID. I was like, oh, like the costume's really good. And then everybody's like, wait, that's not Johnny Depp. Get him out of here. Uh, there's also a story that uh, that uh, the production seed they received a letter from a kid for Jack Sparrow that said he wanted to commit mutiny on his class like a nine year old kid. And Johnny Depp went to the kids' school in London and as Jack Sparrow, but that's told him not to do a mutiny because it's I, I've been through many mutinies. It's really not worth it. Uh, so that's sort of that sort of story. A lot of, of course, Pirates film, a lot of uh, community generated imagery, industrial light and magic returns. Um, the big things were the, the mermaid effects, the water for the, the fountain of youth. Uh, it was a little bit of a different uh, thing for Industrial Light Magic with the Pirates films because there wasn't as much like, you know, 
character work as there had been with like Davy Jones and, you know, the, the skeletons and everything like that. But it was still a big undertaking. And one of the things I learned from this research, which I was very stunned by, very, very stunned by, is that when it all comes together, in terms of not any inflation-related things, but in terms <laughs> of the pure number on sort of what we know, Pirates 4 on Stranger Ties is technically the most expensive film ever made. Oh, wow. Uh, with that a, can't be. That cannot be. Listen, man. Where'd the money go? <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad-looking movie, but it's like, yeah. it, what? It, uh, its reported budget was $379 million. Some of that's got to be, like, actors. Like, yeah, that's no, got to like be, the, the yeah. whole, you know, It's a whole included budget. Because uh, yeah. you want to guess what the second highest, like again, not in, not in terms of any inflation, but in terms of raw number. Do you know what, what the second? What, what's the second? Uh, Age of Ultron. See that I buy though. I don't know why I buy that one more. No, that's why I was stunned. Yeah. I was stunned by this. <laughs> I was stunned because I was like, of all the, even of all the pirates movies, like this one, like this one is the especially most- like that, like because Age of Ultron's the follow up to like a smash hit, like cultural impact movie. You know what I and it yeah. was yeah that that I buy. I don't for some reason why do I not buy. Right, because like if you look at this list, like the look, and at the, the, especially when the last two movies look way more expensive than this yeah. one. That's, it's that's, that's, this one. It's the top five. That's bonkers. The top five in descending order. It's on Stranger Tides, then Age of Ultron, then Endgame, then Infinity War, and then the five slot is tied between At World's End and Justice League. Theatrical or Snyder Cut. <laughs> theatrical because um, i think if you add if you add that then it's definitely expensive also the funny thing looking at this top 10 it's all like it's like uh, i'm just gonna finish so then it's like then solo is next then rise of skywalker yes. yeah and then the one big one on this list where i'm like ooh, is uh john carter it's <laughs> number nine. Ooh, yeah that and ooh, i'm like oh sorry boy. yeah ooh, now, sorry now john I'm, carter now it makes more sense why they didn't just like try to push out like uh like anything else of it. Well, They're Solo like, also makes sense because they shot that movie twice. Yeah, essentially. Really. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, so tech, again, like once you would like account for inflation. Also, this does not count um the Hobbit trilogy because that's considered different because it was all back to back to back filming. All right. All Otherwise, right. that's technically the most expensive film shoot by itself because it's those right. three movies together. Um. Yeah. They spent a lot of money on this one, and we were they were going to see if it was worth it. Hans Zimmer returns to do the score. I have any other notes here? I mean, this was a movie that, I mean, Disney was pushing big. Again, this was right at the precipice of this era. Like, this was really like when we talk about how Pirates 2003 was, again, a big, big thing for the studio that really hadn't had that type of hit almost ever or at least in many many years um and then sort of these other two films coming just as sort of the eisner era was ending and and the and the biobiger era again it's interesting to note where this movie stands in that like kind of disney history because again we're right in that era of like hey the marvel purchase by the time this movie has happened the marvel purchase was not that long ago we're right around the corner from avengers you know being what it is 
with with that kind of era going forward. You know, the previous year, Disney had just made a billion dollars on that Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland, which again also featured Donnie Depp. And that sort of era of the studio's filmmaking, the, the, the remake era was was well on on the route, especially with the new leadership at the studio. Uh, but this was really sort of this 2010 period. And like even 2010, when you go back, like Tangled just come out and that was a huge hit for the company. This is the Disney that we know now or the, the, the way where Disney is now is really begun in this era. And we'll definitely talk about all of the aftermath, but this Pirates 4, for what the actual content of the movie is, is included in that, is included in it's like, this is the Disney that we know in 2022 is sort of really born out of this era of filmmaking and Pirates being sort of this marquee original franchise for them was a big deal. And those was Disney pushing this movie. You know, it was Depp being, you know, at D23 and a D23 Expo, which had just started in 2009 for this announcement in 2011 was just on the precipice of this movie as well. It was, it's just, it's just interesting to reflect back and, and kind of look at, sort of that element of all this and sort of that element of that Disney is like the biggest company on the planet, you know, maybe other than Amazon, I guess. I don't know, but (laughs) well, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's just like Disney has their hands in everything. They're starting to like build residential areas now. Like they're, they're, they're a crazy company. And, and a lot of that success that they had right at the beginning of the 2010s in, and sort of that, that visual of them having that success and being sort of this, this thing to go to at the beginning of this era, it's just really interesting to reflect upon, especially in terms of the making of this movie. Well, let's see how they did. Yeah, let's get, let's, let's, let's just, <laughs> let's just get, I have really nothing else to say. Let's get into pirates of the Caribbean on stranger tides. Here's your chance to improvise. I'm attempting it. I might be able to get a hand loose. Oh, you got a knife. That's very good. Better. I want one of those. Here's to revenge. Sweet and clear. Revenge. Come, come, Hector. If you wanted the chalices, you'd seen they were missing and gone. You were lying in wait. For Blackbeard. Oh. King George privateer. Wig. Cheap theatrical facade. Not buying it. You weren't there that night. And the pearl was lost. Taken. At last. We were off the coast of Hispaniola when we came under attack. No provocation, nor warning, nor offer of parley. We were peppered with cannon fire. And then the sea beneath the pearl began to roil. The pearl was pitching and yarn violently. Every plank, every rail, every spar all at once began to creak. The rigging had come to life. Our own ship turned against us. Tangling the crew, wrapping around her like snakes. And wrapping around my leg. But my arms were free and my sword was to hand. I am the master of my ship, not Blackbeard's. I am the master of my fate, not Blackbeard. So I did what needed done. 
so you're not after the fountain. I care not for King George or Tavignons that give hope for a healed limb. That give me left arm for chance of Blackbeard. Not your right? I need my good arm to drive my poisoned blade through his heart. I'll see you get the chance, mate. Here we are, back on the Pirates, sailing once again into a new film, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, This was... um, I was actually very interested to go back because this was another one. Uh, I hadn't got it. I hadn't seen it since maybe like college where I jokingly like brought over the Blu-ray that I had gotten for Christmas that I was like one of those gifts where I was like, oh, thank you, grandparents. You know, I like Disney. So thanks for buying me Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Um, my memory of this movie, by the way, uh, my best, biggest distinct memory was like this was like, you know, 2011. I was like in film school and I was like, oh, I know movies more than anybody. I'm cool. So I went home for that summer and my dad's my parents loved the Pirates movies. We we're going to go see the Pirates for. And my dad was like, hey, do you think we need to buy our tickets online? And I'm like, oh, like, no, like, oh, like nobody's really interested in seeing another Pirates movie. It's probably going to have like a week opening weekend. Like, oh, we could probably just walk up and, and just get a ticket. We're fine. Then we went to the theater and the screening we wanted to see was sold out. So we had to go to another theater and, and I was very embarrassed uh, by that fact. Um, that's my one distinct memory of like seeing this movie in theaters. And my distinct- un- un- unrelated, but since that happens so rarely, like you go to a movie and it's sold out. It, it also only happened to me once. I went to go see one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies and it was sold out when I went. So I just went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy again. <laughs> Because I didn't want to go home. I was like, well, I'm already here. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy rule. So I'm just going to go watch that again. <laughs> so that must have been the first one then, right? The first no, movie. yeah, it was the first one. Yeah. The first Michael Bay Turtles movie. I was Right. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's on. I, I just like that those are the movies, right? And not- I remember that distinctly, too, because Guardians of the Galaxy. Because remember, like, Star-Lord has that. He calls, like, somebody a Ninja Turtle at one point. Yeah. When they said, like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, the number one movie this weekend, they used that clip in the trailer where he's like, take that, Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I just like that, like, those are the two movies that, like, we, like, got to, and then they're sold out. And it's not like... But I guess it's also, like, like for any Avengers movie, we definitely would have bought the tickets early. Like, any movie that, like, would have actually been sold out if we went to the theater, we probably would have been much more careful. Just, I like, had the same idea. There's, like, no way that Ninja Turtles is going to be sold out in this in this theater out in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> well. Uh, so, anyways, uh, my memories of watching this movie this time, I watched uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Ties specifically for this podcast. And I guess my reaction was, like, it, it's not great, but also it's definitely not as bad as I like had hyped it up to be. Cause I always joked that like, Oh, this was like the worst movie I owned, like, you know, on physical media for a long time. And I was like, first of all, like, that's not true. Cause I, op- I own Herbie goes to Monte Carlo, which is a way worse movie. And two, I eventually, again, begrudgingly owned amazing Spider-Man two, which is much worse than this movie. Um, I guess my reaction to it was like, I didn't mind watching it. It was very serviceable. There's actually things that I liked more than I like. I kind of like, oh, yeah, this is actually pretty nice. But I still have no interest in like revisiting it again. I I definitely 
and I was like, yeah, it's still like, hey, like uh, Jack's a lot more fun than I remember. Like, it's not like the best of Jack, but there's a lot of really fun Johnny Depp Jack moments. He still has great chemistry, especially with Barbosa and with Gibbs. Um, there's some really fun little action pieces. There's some fun sort of mythical ideas, which is like the, the fun things that Elliot and Rocio do where they kind of like do a twist on an existing myth. Not even talking about the mermaids. That's some of the stuff with the Fountain of Youth I thought was really interesting in terms of just concept. But yeah, there's, there... a, there's a really actually I'm glad you brought that up and I just don't want to forget it. Like the way the rules of how they do the Fountain of Youth and like how it works, I think is actually the the smartest conceit that they come up with. It, yeah. It's like a very interesting way of doing it. And it, and it strikes me as the best of their like the best of them in this series like how they adapt like a rule for this world that does feel original but using a concept that you you already know and it's a smart thing to do because you almost cheat because everybody knows the concept of the fountain of youth so you already have an in and then you could just make up a rule for it and you're like okay yeah sure that's how it works yeah and it's always like you can always hide behind like Oh, what? You think you're just going to drink it and then you'll never die? That's just a legend. But yeah. here's how the real magic works. Like, it's still magic. Yeah. Like, that's the rules of all these movies where it's like, no, 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 no. That magic rule is nonsense. This is the actual magic rule. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, for sure. Like- yeah. And then there's just like some of that stuff with Elliot Rocio that's like still good. But yeah. this also has that Elliot Rocio thing where some of their weakest things is like, all all the other all the new characters are very paper thin and and there's no real like Jack's our main character and he doesn't actually have like a drive nothing that he actually wants in this movie Jack in this movie is a character that like basically goes along for the ride just because he kind of has to because they don't really even do the thing where he's like oh he secretly really wants the fountain of youth it's it's more so that like Hey, I'm not really interested in that thing anymore, but Hey, you know what? Like I got, I'm on this ship. I, I I'll figure out a way to survive. It's just like a very odd in that respect. And that's one of the reasons why this movie doesn't really work as well. It's just like, there's really not that much to grab onto in terms of the, the things that make you love Bob pirates films are like the characters and sort of the crazy, like kind of, you know, twist in terms of like their drive and what they want. And none of that's really here in this one. Well, I mean, so I was really, I was actually pleasantly, it was funny because I told you last night, I I think by my tone that I was going to watch it this morning, right before recording was that I was watching it for doing this. And so my, my attitude going into it was not great. And I'm really, I'm actually really happy that I rewatched it again because I just got a lot more out of it. And, and it just goes to show that lesson of like, oh, maybe you should watch a movie again because, because what, this is what happened because of where the Pirates franchise is now. And there is a moment in this movie, there is a turning point in this movie and it's a scene that drives me absolutely insane. Like it, it's, it's a scene like, like it'll be the rant of this episode trust me and then like it's the turning point of this franchise i mean a lot of like this movie is kind i don't even know if this movie is the turning point as much as it it contextualizes the whole franchise because so without you know just 
I, I the movie is fine. The movie is okay. It's yeah, nowhere it's near very, as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Exactly. There's, same there's yeah. actually a lot more merit to it than I thought. It hasn't gone off the rails quite yet. There's a lot of admirable stuff they do in it, but at the same time, there's so many reminders about first of all how much of a miracle that first movie was. Like you just realize like how great that first movie was and why it worked. And in a way that the the second two movies didn't even achieve, but the thing that the second two movies achieved is that they just went all in on this pirate epic and they had you like these characters enough that you can just engage in that. So for instance with this you were mentioning the Jack Sparrow drive thing. Here and and then we we're, we're and we joke about the missionary and the mermaid which sounds like a spin-off on Disney Plus that they could do. There was actually a lot of this movie that convinced me of the idea that pirates should just probably be a Disney Plus show. Like it's I'm a like, bad idea. if this was like a if this was like a six episode season on a Disney Plus show, like I'm like, oh, this actually may be fun. Um, so what was I thinking? Um, but anyway, like what people like kind of don't r- really remember in their head about that movie, and we've talked about this, is like how much of like a kind of a weird ensemble that is. Like Jack is kind of like a little bit more prevalent but he's kind of like a han solo type character in that movie with a little bit more attention to him like people like the movie doesn't open up on jack sparrow like he's just like the fun iconic character that gets introduced in that movie that movie is telling the story about the black pearl it opens up on will and elizabeth and it opens up on like that love story and it's more about like the adventure and the ride starring these colorful characters and then what happened is that after that movie was done after the trilogy was done now the series went into this thing where now jack is the main character right and then and then and it's not a bad direction to go in and i think that they get a lot out of it but it is an interesting thing about like when you watch the movie it just the movie this movie just does not have the interesting drive that all the other movies had had up until this point like you you know that they're looking for the fountain of youth but you're not really engaged in them doing that there's no you don't really feel any urgency even though everybody's talking about we got to be the first ones to find it mm-hmm. like the villains are fine i think ian McShane, mcshane is great in the movie but that's because he's ian mcshane <laughs> it's like i think he's making it way more interesting than what's on the page 100%. Uh, penelope cruz perfectly cast i mean but like I mean, they they do their damned hardest to make you be like, oh, Ian McShane is a bastard, and he is, but he's not Barbosa. Like, in terms of, like, the story, he's not Davy Jones. The movie's also lacking, like, a thing. Like, I'm sorry, and then that's where, that's the one thing that the next movie gets right. And I'm sorry, like, maybe they wanted to get away with it, but no, the first movie is skeleton, cursed people. The second movie is fish people. And then, and then, you know, and then they do the epic in the third movie. So it's just like, it's a fine next chapter and yeah. it, it's okay, but it, it does just lack a lot of the oomph that the other movies had. Yeah. It's also way too long. 
Because I was like actually not. I was I was kind of like, all right, it's fine. But then I was like thinking like, oh, and I, like I, I timed it. I looked at the thing. I'm an hour in, and I know like we're just getting to the mermaids. They haven't done any of the stuff with the with the missionary guy yet. Like there's a bunch of Barbosa, uh, Jack stuff, which is great. But by that point in the movie, you're kind of checked out. Yeah. Like there was just like there's a whole hour of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I'm not enjoying the movie that much to like engage in another hour of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's just like, yeah, I'll, it's, it's, I think I, I think it, I, I think you're right that like especially like Cruz and McShane do their damnedest to give their characters some sort of like edge, but like there's really like again there's really not much more to those two characters other than like Ian you know Blackbeard's like. Hey, my first mate said I'm gonna die soon, so I gotta gotta live forever. And then like Penelope Cruz is like, yeah, I like, I want to like save my dad. So yeah, it's like you don't really buy. You enjoy watching those actors, I think, more than you buy what the movie is telling you about their characters. That's I think. exactly it. That's exactly it. Especially because like, and I I have my rant where it's just like Blackbeard's actual like the the supernatural stuff they give blackbeard is so lame well, it's a grab it, it, no i mean it, i don't think it's lame but it's just because this movie doesn't have a thing it's like a grab bag of things like the the coolest thing i actually do think i do think that the sword that may help that you can control ships is like a kind of a fun idea and i actually like the design of that sword too and it's just like i like that thing but then it's also like He's a black magic guy and he knows voodoo and and the he weirdest makes, thing he can like put ships in bottles and like yeah, ha- and, none of that- and also why is he doing that? I don't know. Like well, like and, and and but that's the thing it's like there's an angle you could play that like oh he's a superstitious man who's afraid of death and he's like dived into the occult to find any way to cheat death. But but the movie kind of makes it seem like Somebody spooked him once, and now he doesn't want to die. <laughs> well, I guess that that's one of the things too. Where it's like one of the things I've always loved about these previous pirates films, uh, and, and what Rocio and Elliot did very well in those previous pirates films is like they did a good job of like not overly doing it, but like explaining the actual mythology behind all the the weird stuff, right? Like we know the whole thing about the Aztec gold and the skeletons and like what they need to do, all that sort of stuff's great. And like the the history of Davy Jones and Calypso, that's all great. Where it's like, I always just found it odd, even from like watching the movie the first time where it was just like, yeah, he has a sword that can control the ships. And like, you know, it's like, you know, just a little bit of backstory on that. And like, does the sword also help with the miniaturizations of ships or is that a different thing? Well, and then they, and then they try to do the thing where they like, just through dialogue, they try to tell you like, this is the worst guy ever. I'm like, really? Because there was like, there was like an immortal fish man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and, and, control the ocean and like made you live on a ship for a hundred years. Like, and then this guy, Oh, and apparently he could turn people into kind of zombies. Yes, that's another thing, too, where they, they don't really take anything. Is this all the sword? And then the other thing about the sword, I mean, I'll just say it now since we're talking about it. Like, the one thing about this is, like, it's using that one, like, his one big, like, actual introduction scene where he's, like, getting rid of the mutiny. You're and right. Then, they don't even really use it that much. No. And then, like, there's and that then, bit at the end when Barbosa like, like, uses it to, like, make, like, this, the, the ship go forward. And I remember sitting in the theater. I'm like, that's awesome. Where was all that stuff? <laughs> that's cool. Well, my thing about it, too, was just, like, 
that sort of concept would work for a movie where much of more of it is on the open sea. But once you're doing like the, we're in this island finding the fountain of youth, you just get this point where we're like, 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 uh, you know, at the end when they're at the fountain of youth and, you know, Barbosa and, and Blackbeard have their confrontation and Blackbeard's like, you dare come at me with this sword. And Barbosa is like, yeah, cause you're really far away from your ship. It's just a sword now. Like right, that's really right. like, and that sort of thing where it's like, it's just, it's really only used that once. And then, right, it's just a grab bag where it's like, okay, and then, yeah, we're shrinking ships and bottles for some reason. Then the monkey got shrunk too. You know, it's just like, there's just so much. Also, like, there's a lot of weird, like, wheel spinning in this movie. Like, there's just like, I mean, I won't even get to the scene that drives me crazy yet, but there's like this. You just look at the movie and you look at it, it's two hours and you watch a whole scene. And then especially when you're rewatching the movie, it's like you could have just gotten to this point. There's, like when you think when you think about it, like there's a whole mutiny scene. Yeah. Which is fun. And it actually leads to a real good positive about this movie, because the biggest positive about this movie is that you kind of are able to do a prequel without doing a prequel like you like because they stripped Jack to like being just like himself. And he and he's like and it's you know he has to get by on his wits. You kind of have the opportunity in this movie to see all the things that people talked about in the previous movie of him eluding the authorities or him starting a mutiny and you and he and and that was like the thing I kind of didn't remember about this movie is that he's not an idiot yet. Like that's the thing. Like, like, he's actually that, like, <laughs> like I I actually one of the biggest things about this rewatch was like oh no this Jack is still fun right like, yeah. this is still a like. Again, it's not like the the you know the best for like that first film is still the absolute best version of Jack, but like oh like he still has funny lines and he still has great chemistry, especially like with Gibbs and Barbosa. There's just a natural chemistry with Jack and those two characters that when you get them on screen together, it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but he has like a lot of like just really little fun moments and Depp's performance is still so much fun to watch. Like he's definitely still a highlight of this movie, even if his character doesn't have that drive to really go he really makes the movie really watchable. It's just still him. So, so the thing for me is like, so he, they go through this mutiny and then, and then Blackbeard comes out and then he does this like thing where he like hangs up everybody. But I was thinking before, like he knows, like he knows Jack is on the ship, right? That, I thought that was the whole thing was that he knows wasn't that the whole idea yeah, that they like tried to get him on? Because they're going to use their, the idea is that they're going to use him for the fountain ritual. Right. So, but, but and then they, also, yeah, this they wait for a whole mutiny and then they introduce him and then they play this game. Like, well, I actually wanted to start, but it's like, but you got him on the show. Unless I'm missing a plot point. Right. I didn't really well, understand this. Th this is the same movie that has, uh, that needed both Penelope Cruz and Keith Richards to be like, you need two chalices, Jack. Like they basically tell him the exact same information that he needs, except Penelope Cruz adds like one more thing, which is like, we also need a mermaid's tear. Like there's a lot of like, and yeah, but it's like, just get, just get that stuff out. And because it's like, you got Gibbs on another, you got Gibbs on another ship. So you can't have him say it. So it's nowhere near as entertaining. Right. Like imagine if Gibbs was telling it, it would be entertaining. You would remember it. It's like, I too chalices. Like you could just see <laughs> how he would say it. And you know, so that, but that's like the thing. There's a lot of like, you couldn't have gotten, like, I feel like there's like at least three scenes with, this missionary and this mermaid that they spent a lot of time on. And I can't remember Ooh, any boy. of them. That's my, <laughs> those two are my rant on this movie. 
there is a point. I, why is he in this movie? Like, why is, oh man, uh, because man, it's not. I mean, it, it's okay. Let me. Stuff, okay, that stuff is the dirt worst. I'm can, sorry. Can, okay, can I? All right, go ahead. Know what were you gonna say? Uh oh, uh, that was the one thing I remember. Like where I remember, uh, like after the movie, I was like the like, the missionary and the mermaid because like they're they're so bland characters that they I don't don't even know their names. And like when me and my girlfriend were talking about the movie, like she was trying to remember his name, and none of us could until I looked it up, and it's Philip, uh, apparently. Um, dude, like that stuff is just so. It's bad. It's, it's not bad. good. It's, it's not there's good. no redeemable thing about it. Like, there's no emotion behind it. The dialogue of the missionary is so, so bad. You just, yeah, it's just, it's just not. Like, yeah, one, it's like, just uh, not. It, it, they're not will, and and that's the thing. And people have to remember this. And uh, Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom are good in those other movies. They're very but, good. But what, again, what they don't understand was like the movie was opened up, centered around them as like this big like kind of like pirate romance adventure thing and they became like a good anchor for the movie and then and then over the course of the story being told well you got them but like let's not pretend like they weren't like when we look back at those movies they're not like the colorful characters you know that you remember but they're good they're good anchors to the story but you can't have you can't do it the reverse. You can't have a movie where it's all colorful characters and you're following all the colorful characters and then you introduce the Will and Elizabeth. You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, and then care about that love story. Like, yeah. no, it doesn't. And then it's just, that's all material. That If you got rid of that, you can get you can get to the Jack and Barbosa stuff a lot sooner, which is way more fun because oh. not only do you have context for those characters, but then you can be like, like it's fun to see them work with each other. Like they had that great line where they're tied up, where he's like, um, where you know Jack's like getting out of being tied up, and then he and then uh, Barbosa's looking around and he's like, oh, I'm looking for an escape route. Isn't that usually how you do it? And he's like, I, I just wing it. <laughs> like, it was, but it was just like it, it was nice because. I like that turn that these movies have taken that arc of that, you know, they're like they're pirate rivals, really. Yeah. Like, but they, they will work with each other. And yeah. like and again, that, that like stuff's the, really the fun. natural chemistry between those two characters and the natural chemistry between those actors. Right. Like they they love working with each other. Those characters just fit so well yeah. together. And and like that's the thing too. It's like when you have like Elliot and Rocio working on this, like the, the, those are the characters they know and they know how those characters talk to each other. Or even at the beginning of the movie, uh, you know, how it opens up with Jack uh dressing up as the judge and rescuing Gibbs from the gallows, and they're in the back of the like the the police carriage, and they're just that conversation. It's like, well, I I, I was here because I heard that you were putting that together a ship, a, a crew at the at the at the the captain's daughter tavern. It's like that's that's not me. Like I, that's what I heard. Like that that chemistry is so really good. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the missionary and the mermaid stuff, and and then the missionaries like <laughs> the, the mission. Like there was a point. Like, I I'll, I'll get to this right now. I I I will, I will not save this. There's a point where the missionary is like looking at the mermaid, and he's just like. Man, you must be one of God's creatures because you can't be one of those nasty creatures that were made by these animals that missed the ark. And I'm like, oh my God, just shut up. It's awful. Like, the performance isn't great. And, like, yeah, it's just not like that stuff is so bad and not worth any of its salt. I mean, there there is a admirable thing that you could tell and you can do in this movie where. 
like let's say you wanted to tell the story where we really haven't gotten that story of like a I don't know it always gets weird and the second and the next movie does this weird thing too where it's like how do you really tell the story of like the man of God, but you are already in a world where you know there's an afterlife and there's all these supernatural things going on. So you kind of know the rules of how it works. That's and, actually very true. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like a thing where we've, we've seen like that's the, that was the whole main character of like the main villain of the previous two films. Right. Was this guy who shepherds the dead to the next world. So or supposed to at least. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that should mean you don't do it. You can find a way, but there is something where you could have like a normal person, and start a relationship with somebody from the supernatural world. Like, that's an interesting angle that you could play on this, but that's not what they did. It, it's just kind of like this very blasé, bland, like, like love thing. I don't know. It, it, it's not, it, it, it's just not... This is not engaging. I do want to talk about like, I mean, just kind of, I had already mentioned it, but like you had mentioned up at the top, what I did really enjoy, which I, I was just expecting not to enjoy it as much as I did. But like you mentioned that scene where Jack is like dressed up as like the, the judge or whatever. And he's going through that whole thing. I mean, I thought like the first, I thought the first act of the movie was actually quite solid. Oh, it's super, I, it's, it's and, really fun that the chase yeah. through London that eventually happens is really great. Like a lot of a lot of just like uh, some of that fun, like Rube Goldberg pirates action in mm -hmm. a different way than we've seen. Um, well, and like, then you like kind the of like it, the, the coal setting on fire and everything was really great. Like mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then like all of it is just like you're just getting to see Jack do all these things, but it feels organic and it doesn't feel as. Like what was also interesting about this movie is like there's actually not a lot of like callbacks to like a lot of there like there really wasn't like remember this remember this from the thing like I, I felt like they found a way to do it without yeah. leaning into that too much and so all that I I actually really liked quite a bit Barbosa coming in Jeffrey Rush hasn't missed a beat yeah. like you you know and sort of the shock of like him being like you know uh, uh, like working for the king which by the way. Like I know that Depp wanted to work with that king actor, but that performance as the king felt like I don't I don't get it. I like that I, was it, never it, 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 it felt like what like the Americans in like the 1770s like would put on a play to make fun of the English, like to make fun of the King George. And right. That's the type of performance where it's just like the over the top, like I'm I'm a man who likes food and I hate the Spanish. Oh well, but the problem really with that is that and i and i get it that's exactly what they're doing they're trying to add some buffoonery quality to the authority figure like that's yeah. what they're doing but i guess like what was off i don't really care that much either way but what does feel off about it is like none of the characters like that acted like that in the previous movies right yeah like everybody was kind of like a normal person mm -hmm. like yeah. and you really saved it like not even like really the pirates were that. buffoons unless they were like intentionally comic relief characters right like they're not like that intentionally yeah. over the top it just felt like a strange choice that uh, being said like the but the there, there is a cartoonish quality that clearly i don't know maybe that's an elliot and rocio thing that's like, definitely maybe, an, that's definitely where they're yeah they, they're leaning into like let's like let's be a little bit more animated about about this listen man um, i think like 
like definitely like if you pair this and like the stuff they do in this movie and the stuff that they end up writing for the Lone Ranger, like yeah, that's definitely a Rocio Elliott thing. Maybe this movie is also expensive because they brought in Judy Dench for a day. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's expensive. One of the most expensive movies. You've got to be kidding me. It, it, I'm that's, not kidding. That, that that blows my mind. I blew my mind too, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the, the fun chase sequences out of that, and and I, I I thought that the action was great, and I, I thought Marshall did a good job with with uh, the directing those those sequences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get like when he finally arrives to the captain daughter's tavern, we get one of the first of a few sexual jokes in this movie when he's like hanging on the sign for the captain's daughter, and he's just hanging on the breasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which made me. Th- Oh, there's another one in this movie that even made me. I've never heard it, and it was clever, but it still made me cringe. When like when one of the pirates is talking about like the mermaids, he's like, and "Just and just when you're ready to churn the butter in a matter of speaking." <laughs> and I'm like, and I, it took me a minute to think, and I'm like, "Oh, phrases that elicit imagery are make me really uncomfortable." <laughs> All right, hold on. So I just thought of something because I was thinking about the sex jokes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that Depp specifically requested the missionary character so he could say the line, <laughs> I support the missionary's position? I like I like this concept in my head of Depp like going into detail about like why we should have a missionary. Well, character. you know, you you know why is because like it's the least clever. Like, cause I, like what I have to give credit for in this movie is that Jack and his dialogue and his quips, for the most part, are on point. Like, there's actually a lot of clever there's a things lot of, yeah, that match stuff that he says in the other movie. There's and a what's lot of so really funny fun about that, it's the most easy. <laughs> It's the easiest joke in the entire movie. And even like the little clip that he says it, it's just this cutaway. You know they had to get it on the day. He's like, Johnny wouldn't move on unless they got it. And it's just this cutaway in the middle of this scene where this, where the bird, isn't like the whole scene, like the mermaid's dying. Yes. And then they're just like, and he's like, I support the missionary position. Yeah, the whole thing and is I like, like the mermaid needs air, yeah. And I like that thought that he was just like, can you imagine like Rob Marshall is like, go or like, you know, it's Rob, tell, uh, Elliot and Rocio, they're, they're like in a meeting with, is Jerry, is, is Brookheimer still producing these? Yes. Yeah, and they're like on, they're, <laughs> they're like on a meeting, they're on a phone meeting, it's like, so yes, everything went good. Yeah, no, Johnny took a look at the pages today. Yeah, no, they're good. Quiet. And it's like, and then it's still quiet. Jerry's like, did he bring up the missionary thing again? <laughs> yeah, we tried to like, we, we, we tried to write like a joke around it, but Johnny's still pushing for that note. And then you just hear, a, uh, <laughs> well, maybe is there any way that, is there another clever way that we get, I mean, we can use the word missionary, but does he have to say position? <laughs> and then it's like, we'll try it again ne- next week. So yeah, Johnny, uh, <laughs> yeah, he loved the pages. He loved the scripts. He had one note though, Jerry. God damn it. <laughs> oh, 
All right, just write it down. Just write it down. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get on the day, and let let's let's get Johnny's coverage out of the way real quick. <laughs> and like, oh, we're losing sunlight. We're losing sunlight. We have to go. And then Johnny's like, oh, uh, I, I think we're missing a line. I didn't get to. T- I didn't get to say the missionary joke. It's a great sketch. This is a really good sketch. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the the, the sexual jokes of the thing. Um, yeah. And then we would also get into like the fact that like yeah, he's well, he, he meets his dad again for whatever reason, and then mm-hmm. um, which which also had a really great joke in that that he got to bounce off of, where he's like, do you know? It's like, wait, you know where the fountain of youth is? And he's like, does this look like the face that has seen the fountain of youth? Well, it depends on the light. <laughs> great, great stuff. I was like, oh, there's actually oh, a lot no, there's of some, gems there's some really this. there's some really yeah. fun stuff in this movie. But the whole kind of thing here is that this is the tavern where the uh, alleged Jack Sparrow impersonator uh, is recruiting a ship, mm-hmm. um, and, and and Jack is uh, incensed that not him has the mm-hmm. ship, but this person does have a ship, so he goes to investigate. I wonder, was that Penelope Cruz doing the mimicry, or did they get a stunt person to do that? Because if it was her, because I know she's pretty good. I know she trained, but again, I don't know the exact like when that would have been filmed in regards to like her presidency. It was a lot of it was obviously in shadow because you're waiting to reveal who the right, character right, is. So yeah. I, it's hard to hard to really tell because you don't know it's Penelope yeah. Cruz yet. So you know all that all that stuff is good. But good on her for dressing up as Jack. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun. That it's it good yeah. luck. Good yeah. luck. No, they 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 made that. They and made that's that another work. good thing where he's like when he when he kisses when he kisses it is like like I've always wanted to do that to myself. Like <laughs> no, he didn't. He he's like I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> the implication. Um, yeah, that 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 that's all funny stuff. Uh, I mean, and then like you know their backstory is fine. You know, it's a lot of like. There's it's a lot, like, you know what? It's a lot of uh, the the what, what's it from um, Indiana Jones, Marion, whatever. Yeah, it's a lot of it's that. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of Marion Indian there, and that's also when you mentioned the wheel speeding. That was one of the things I I thought about because there's a lot of like they go back to like them discussing the past a lot in this mm-hmm. movie, and also like obviously it's again it's pirates, and it's definitely like Elliot and Rocio playing to like whose side is Penelope, you know, whose side is Angelica actually on? But there's a lot of back and forth of like. Oh, you know, she's on her father's side. No, she's on Jack's side. Oh, wait, she is on her father's side. No, she's on her own side. No, she's yeah, but see, father- here's the problem with this movie, though, is like because that I do recall like in the middle of the movie, Jack is still trying to be like, she's playing you. She's not who she says she is. And and I don't know if the movie is effectively telling that story. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it seems like everybody's on the up and up like they're at no point like i thought like okay they reveal that i guess you're supposed to maybe think that when she's like i don't know i guess you're always supposed to think that she has an ulterior motive which i yeah. don't know if the movie ever successfully no does. Again, it's like again it's just like the character really doesn't have that much. Like, the character is boiled down to at the end of the day i never had a dad and i want to save my pirate dad and then, like, there's and, well, really... also you don't know that character enough. You have no, you don't have enough context of the character to even suspect her of having a motive. Right. Like, if anything, yeah. you're just confused. It's more like, so like, <laughs> like I guess the movie is like taking the credit, like, oh, it's a pirates movie, so everybody has an ulterior motive. But like, that's just still not enough. Where not really because like everybody's kind of on the up and up in these movies. Like everybody kind of. <laughs> that's the thing. There's a lot of betrayals. 
But like, it's usually like everybody, you know what they want. And then they just, it's just the people around them just believe them for some reason. Like, so yeah, I, I, that was kind of, I think, and that's actually maybe a good indicator of like why the movie it's fun to watch, but it doesn't engage you on that story level because you're right. Because you can tell like later on when, you know, they're dancing on the, on the, on the, on the ship that that's supposed to be the scene where you reveal that she's telling the truth and she really does care about her dad. But like, I never suspected otherwise up until that point. So, and that's the kind of that spinning its wheels. Like, I'm like, Oh, like, so they reveal something. I'm like, Oh, I kind of thought that already. So it does. There's that line in there where like, it's very Jack line where it's like, you lied to me by telling the truth. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a good He's idea like, i should try can i, can I see can i borrow that sometime like, i love that that was great uh, that that was really that was really funny too um and uh yeah and then like and then you know they get on the ship and then you know jack is like tricked on this sh- he's actually like drugged or yeah. knocked out or whatever uh and he's on the ship and scrum's like taking him to bat and he's like you're on the queen anne's revenge blackbeard Oh yeah, that actor who plays Scrum is really having the time of his life. Yeah, that's, a, that's it again. The one of John, like that's an actor that Johnny specifically. I mean, good, good. I, I thought like a, a neat addition. Like he was kind of like, oh yeah, I can see him as part of the crew going yeah. forward. So like, yeah. but he was really enjoying his time on yes. the movie. Yeah, you could you could definitely tell. Um, but um, yeah, and then and then they kind of cut back and forth between. What Barbosa's doing. Right. Because, so, so yeah. they go to the go to Barbosa's sort of thing. So, Barbosa, you know, we kind of see him. He's in the Royal Navy now. He's, he's a, he's a Kingsman, not a Kingsman, but a Kingsman. By the way, did you know that Kingsman is a movie that is out and you can see? I just learned this yesterday. <laughs> yeah, dude. It came out in theaters like in like December. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. Did it? It was only in theaters, like like the end of December, like. No. Yeah. Did it really? It came out in theaters, dude. You're lying. No, lying. no. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I I have to. I have to pause the podcast for a second to look this up. There's no way. I like because I just I talked to somebody and they said, "Oh, we just I just watched Kingsman." I'm like, "Really?" And then I turned on HBO Max. I'm like, "Oh, I guess Kingsman is a movie that exists and you can watch." This movie, wait, okay, uh, release. The Kingsman had its world premiere in London on December 7th and its theatrical release on December 22nd. It's eighth proposed release date and more than two years after it was originally due to Dude, come out. Dude, I'm surprised out. you never got any of those like YouTube ads for it. No, no. I could have sworn that this movie never came out and i just i thought it just came out at hbo max yesterday and i thought like what a what a bizarre sad release for a movie which is still is kind of bizarre and sad <laughs> anyway he's a uh, king's man right so then the whole thing is that uh, one of the things we missed in, in terms of talking about that scene earlier is that the movie cold opens with the the spanish of, of spain um finding a dude that like may may lead them to the fountain of youth and so the, the british are like we can't have spain beating us to the fountain of youth uh so you know jeffrey rush we're going to give you our our ship we're going to give your crew and you're going to you're going to go and find the fountain of youth first and you know gibbs is along with that ride because you know gibbs is going to be hanged 
um, because, you know, he's associated with Jack and he, and, and, and Jeffrey Rush is like, listen, man, like give me the map and we'll figure this out. And so Gibbs burns the map. He's like, I memorized the whole map in here. So you have to pick me with you. It's like, welcome to the King's service. <laughs> welcome back to the King's service, Mr. Gibbs, which I, I thought was a good callback. That was a lot of fun. I did think that was a good callback because that's an element of that character that you kind of forget. Yes. Like that that he, is that, very yeah. much only in the first movie. So they are basically at sea, like on an official HMS ship. And they are going to the Fountain of Youth. Oh, you know what? Actually, just because I know I'm going to forget it. What I do have to give credit for is that I think the movie does as good of a job as it can to really throw you off the scent on what Barbosa is doing. I actually agree with this because when I first watched, I kind of forgot about that element. I kind of picked it up before it actually happens. But I kind of was like, oh, yeah, there's a whole weird thing where he's like in the in the Royal Navy now. And like, it's like kind of a weird little, like kind of like it throws you for a loop because it seems so out of character for, for Barbosa. It, well, and then, it, like once, once they get to like the reveal of like, Oh, this is what's actually going on. It's almost like, yeah, this now this all makes sense. And, and the, and the key to why it does work because he hasn't changed. Like, it's just the fact that, Okay, right, yes. yeah, maybe like maybe you can be like, well, wait, like he's not going to be a pirate anymore. And he's always like, oh, like about the winning side and whatever. And maybe you could question that. But they haven't changed his character. So he's still like he really is still the same Barbosa, And he's still he's still cutthroat. You can tell he's still kind of like, you know, the same old guy who like will let like a guy drown. Like if they abandon like it's like so I, I thought that they. And he's just so fun to watch that you don't really care. I mean, and, and that's that, the thing. Yeah. Yeah, Barbosa is a great, still a great character. Yeah. And, and Rush gives that character so much fun pizzazz and, that, yeah. like, he's still, when he's still yelling at people about White Cap Bay. Yeah. Yes, we are going after the mermaid. Like, he's like, he still, like, has that, like. And then, al- and then alternatively, kind of in the same way that they do at Jack, what's nice about him is that you do get to see the Barbosa that was able to take the black pearl away from Jack. Like, you know, that this was a guy who could make, who could get guys riled up. Like, you know, even though he was like tough and would let people die. Like he, he was like, are we not King's men? Like, it's like, he's like, so he's like, yeah. or like, you know, he's so a like, natural, he's a natural leader. Like that's yes. what he is. So like, I thought that they did a good job with that. Or, or I just want to say like, he's a natural leader, but he has a cult of personality. Like once yeah. you're in his grasp, like you're, mm-hmm. you believe, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're cutting back and forth between these two stories. We get a little bit more. We were talking about the weird, like, uh, like Blackbeard does voodoo stuff, which is out of nowhere. And then, the the whole what shit. did you what did you think of of Ian McShane because I I thought he was good but again in that yeah it's Ian McShane like put turn it's, the put push the record button and he'll deliver yeah it's it's like one of those things where it's just the character is just so uninteresting outside of the McShane performance because again there's really not much meat on that bone it's just like he's a guy who's afraid to die and like he occasionally will like maybe try to kill his daughter but maybe not like sort of thing like yeah I, but, but like, I, I could sorry go ahead yeah but i feel like and, and i feel like at some points like i kind of wish you know it's like it's kind of nice that like there's like sort of a low key energy to mcshane's sort of blackbeard like that sort of like cruelness where he's just kind of like doesn't really react to things or he doesn't really show that emotion like unless he really is like like other than like the hang, like he kind of like takes things in stride. And he's like, 
you know, he's kind of like, well, then leave the mermaid. Like, let's just get like we're done with her. Like, get yeah. her out of here. You know, that sort of thing. Um, sometimes I wish there was a little more like more of that, like kind of they hang energy at some points in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like he does as good enough a job to like kind of give it a quiet, like quiet unsettlingness to his performance. But again, like the, the character is just so thin that there's only so much he, he can do. He he has a great line read when uh like I forget exactly what the missionary comes up and says, but something about like, oh, like you have a damn soul that's beyond redemption due to your actions or whatever. And then he's like, well, it'd be more simple than that. I'm a bad man. <laughs> like, and it's just the way he says it. He also like when he when he picks the guy he's gonna kill, where he's like, he's like, ah, the cook. Perfect. Like, so it's just Ian McShane. He's just really good at that. He makes it way more interesting than what's going on. But to this day, I could not tell you what his deal is in the same way that I thought that the previous villains have all done previously. No, like exactly. with Barbosa, they really sell like he is this theatrical pirate captain who is cursed with something but he also he does have a little bit of a code despite being a cutthroat pirate like you know he he there there's a gentlemanly quality about him Mm -hmm. i mean and then davy jones is all about like well i mean he won't I mean, it's easy for Davy Jones because he won't shut up about it, but he's always, always about cruelty. And like, and he's like, a, it, like, the world is a heartless place, whatever. And it's like, you know, and some of that may be easy, but outside of just like liking watching uh, Ian McShane, like I, I could not tell you anything about. And, and it's like I said, like even is. like some sort of like, you know, your little bit where it could have been like, oh, like he's so afraid of death that he has all these little trinkets that like will help him sort of you know, kind of like he's been trying to find a way out. You have it. it there. Like, it's like everything he's doing, he's so obsessed with the dark arts that now he wants to cheat death. Like, that's as simple as you need to make it. But like, like, it's like, just like, it's a guy who wants to cheat. Why does Jack Sparrow want to find the, like, it's funny how Jack Sparrow has a way more simplistic reason for wanting the Fountain of Youth than the actual villain does. Like, Jack Sparrow is just like, I just want to live forever. And then, like, him, like, oh, a guy told me that I may die one day, and I never thought about that before for some reason. So no, now... No, because it's like, it's like again, it's a, throw, it's a throwaway nature of all this, right? Because, like, all of his, like, little things, like the sword and the voodoo and the bottles, like, again, none of it gets any explanation. And I don't need a whole, like, backstory of, like, this is exactly where he got the sword. But, like, some sort of, like, even if it was McShane, like, well, th- like showcasing his adventures as Blackbeard, he's supposed to be the most legendary pirate of all time, one of the most famous pirate names in the real world and in this fictional world, something that's known, you know. And even or even a little reference, like why he like, you know, why is he not like part of the court or why is like, why didn't he show up for the pirate? Like he just does his own thing, right? Like he can have his own little world that he's kind of built for himself, but there's no explanation of any of his stuff. Also, what is he what is he doing? Yeah, like he's not he doesn't look like he's just pirating. And like the whole he, thing, it's a, it's a throwaway line. It's like, well, my first mate can see the future. And he told me I'm going to die in two weeks by the one-legged man. And it's like, well, what? Like, is that like a thing that was like a thing from your zombie fight thing? Did you find this guy somewhere? Like, there's just no explanation of anything around Blackbeard other than like, oh, man. Like, like it's again, everybody talks about Blackbeard. He's the most ruthless, famous pirate on the seven seas. Like, and none of, none of what actually happens with Blackbeard's like supports that that idea no no and then and then because then you have it like because then when you introduce him your entire context to him is that he's always being talked into kind of not killing people right 
and he kind of does sometimes and then he won't sometimes it's a real odd place to introduce right. the character because right, the whole thing too is like he's the character when we first talk about him he like always stays in his cabin he's never on the ship like when jack's trying to get them together the mutiny it's the whole little bit where it's like has anybody ever seen blackbeard has everybody ever like smelled Blackbeard? Like, no. Like, has everybody has he ne- when does when does he come out of this cavern? What of his habits? We don't know. That, like, you know, nobody knows about him. But see, like that, but that's one of those things where I can justify because I, I thought that at first, but then there was a level of like, okay, well, there's two things you can do. There's two things where it's like, well, what if he's just like, since he's so scared of dying, like he doesn't leave his cabin or his main quarters, but then also he's got a he's got like a, a sword that can control the ship. Yeah. So no matter what happens, he can just walk out and just be like, oh, like, okay, stop, whatever. Yeah. You can Which do is it. exactly so, what happens. Right. Yeah. So, like, I, I bought that, but it's just, like, it's so interesting when you see a movie where it clearly has written itself into a corner. Because mm-hmm. that's what they did. Because it's, like, you can't have her be, like, but again, but why have the whole, like, eternal damnation thing and she's trying to have him avoid that? You know what I mean? Like, why have that? But then also have the, like, the fountain of youth thing. I don't know. Anyway, there is a good thing I will say is that they do introduce this concept with the fountain of youth that it's not just like you drink from it and then you're immortal, but that it allows you to take the life in the years off of somebody else and transfer it onto you, which I thought was, like, an interesting... Oh, yeah, no, it... Like, angle of it a hundred percent it's it yeah. may, that's one of the again those little rocio and elliot elliot twists where that's like a clever idea that's like oh yeah that's like a new angle on it and it causes more drama and there's a lot more to think about and then it's like oh jack's been probably brought along to be kind of the guinea pig so that you know he can live forever because you know jack you know and, and there's a lot more you can do with that one just just be like oh it's a it's a fountain that can uh you know you make you live forever i thought that i thought that was a very little clever yeah, I thought twist, that was good. Twist on it, too. Um, so then they get to the mermaids, which is like a fine mermaid scene. Kind of plays I, out exactly how you think it's going to play out. Right. It, it, uh, there is the one thing. One thing I always take away in this scene is that one moment where, like, when, when the mermaid attack starts officially. Mm-hmm. And, like, that one mermaid just jumps up and, like, body checks that guy off the boat. Like, <laughs> he literally, yeah. like, jumps up and he's just like, whap. Yeah, yeah, but that, it's, it's like... You know, again, this is sort of what like one of the big major, you know, the one big creature set piece of this thing where it's like the whole they're in the boat, they're singing the song, they're waiting for the mermaids to show up. The mermaids are like beautiful. Right. And they're singing the song and the siren song and all the mermaids are there underneath. And everybody's like, man, I'm going to I'm going to touch some mermaid booty tonight. And yep. then they and then they turn to like the the hiss demons and they're like, ah, you know, demons. <laughs> and then they start like attacking the boat and then they got to try to capture one. I like that phrase, hiss demons. Um, you know, it's like the whole Jack does the big, there's a big explosion. Uh, Jack was like, uh, everybody, everybody saw that, right? Because I'm not be doing that again. You know, yep. the thing that's like in all the trailers. The trailer moment. Yeah, yeah. The, the trailer moment and everything like that. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good sequence. You know, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's probably the iconic sequence that people know about from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just because yeah, probably. Like mermaids are like the most notable, one of the most notable things that come out of this movie. So they capture one, and well, then... it's, remember, it's the missionary. Like, you know, is the is the is that fault for letting that one get captured? Oh yeah, they try to play that card where it's like he just whatever. <laughs> he's, he's like, oh man, like it was her. It's his fault that she like you know was stuck and and that she got captured. She got netted. 
And then they and then and then they do that thing where doesn't he like thank the the missionary for like helping catch capture her? Yes. And then and then he feels guilty. Yeah. He's like, you didn't know, dude. Come on. And also, where was she going to go? She was like trapped in like a rock thing. Yeah. Calm down. What's wrong with you? Yeah. The missionary does have one good moment where it's not even his moment. It's another Jack line where like during the mutiny, he's tied up at the top of the mast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, is and then they're like he, they, they climb up there. It's like, missionary, are you with us or against us? He's like, I am neither with you nor against you. Can he do that? Well, he's religious. I think that's required. (laughs) That's like the best part of his involvement in the movie. All right. So so they they have the mermaid because they need a mermaid's tear. That that's how the the the, the ritual with the the, ritual is like thing works. Yeah, the the you put the two cups in the fountain of youth. You put one with water and a mermaid's tear, one with, with just water. The person who drinks the one with the mermaid's tear gets the ears, the other one dies. So Okay, so they have the mermaid, and then they're just they're, they're traversing the island. I mean, basically, every when they get on the island for me is when the movie just kind of stagnates, like from here very on. Very much, very much so. It's yeah. also not as visually interesting. It's kind of like like there's a big gap between when they all get on the island and when Barbosa and Jack finally meet up. Like that, yes. Gap, there's oh a yeah. Lot, there's a and, lot that happens in between. And them. and Nick, here is where this is like the moment. This is the moment when I'm like, uh oh, this is where pirates is going, and this is this this drove me crazy the day I saw it, and every time I think about it, I I I, I still can't believe it. So there's this scene where they they walk up to like a waterfall on a cliff, and the bridge is out, and they don't know how to get, it. and then there's like talk about like, well, just jump, like you'll survive the jump, like. Or like Jack, go down there, like you know, just see if you can survive the jump. And then he's like, "I'm not gonna do that. What if I, what if I die, or whatever?" And then he's like, and, and then Blackbeard's like, "If you don't jump and go down there, I'll kill her." And it points the gun at a uh, Penelope Cruz. And then I forget exactly how it happens because it's so ridiculous. And then he's like, well, like, you know, you're just going to you're just going to shoot your daughter. That's kind of fucked up. And he's like, all right, listen. And then they cut to this scene where they go to a rock and he puts out like a like six guns. Yeah. I'll, each I'll, with its own bullet. One uh, bullet or or he doesn't know one may yeah, have so, a bullet. Yeah. So the whole thing is like Jack calls his bluff and it says like, you're not going to shoot your daughter. Like I, that gun's not even loaded. He's like, fine. And then he turns to like the one zombie clergyman the, the, or the not clergyman, the crew member. Clergyman. Yeah. <laughs> zombie clergyman. The zombie, like- the zombie clergyman. I love it. <laughs> I love that. So no, he turns to the crew man, like the first mate, the zombie by first mate. He's like, get me six guns, put, <laughs> put bullets in only two of those guns and don't tell me which two guns it is not even like a russian roulette thing just like get me six different guns but yeah then they lay the six guns on the rock and he's like yeah dude like i'm gonna shoot my daughter you know he chooses the first one and it, it doesn't go and it, it well he, he chooses his, uh, and then jack picks up another one and he's like it's not even loaded and then like he shoots the gun and then she goes in and then Penelope Cruz is like, well, I'll just jump. And then Jack's like, no, don't do that. I'll go jump. And then so they play this whole gun game. And then he's like, no, I'll jump. And then he's like, but 
am I going to die? And then they throw, and then the zombie clergyman, he throws off the, he throws like the, the, the voodoo doll and he's like, well, you're still alive and you'll die. He's like, I still don't know if I want to do it. And then, and then Penelope, I kid you not, Penelope Cruz is like, I will go. It's like, all right, fine. I'll do it. And she goes to jump. And then he, and then Jack, Jack just jumps anyway. But I still go back to like this whole, like that they, like he, he play like Blackbeard plays this whole gun game. And I'm like, Dude, don't you have like a deadline? Like it wasn't isn't that the whole plot of the movie that you're like, "Oh, if I don't like I'm running out of time, Jack, you don't understand." Yet you have the time to play this weird game? Like it's so And then at and then, one point, yeah, like, Penelope all, yeah. Cruz is like, "This is a waste of time." And I'm like, "Yes! <laughs> yes it is." Yeah, again, this is a wheel spinning thing. This is the whole weird like the back and forth of like what Jack and Penelope think about each other, what Penelope and Blackbeard think about each other. Because then that's the whole thing. It's like you weren't gonna actually shoot me, right, Dad? And then you kind of and then he's like, like of course not. <laughs> he pulls that card and he's like, hey, listen, if you were gonna shoot her, fine, whatever. But why this weird game? You are on a deadline, dude. You told everybody that this needs to happen ASAP and you're playing mind games to get like, like, and that's the other thing for like, I get that he's a bastard. I do get it. And I get that this movie has to do a lot of heavy lifting to like make him like a real admirable villain. But for a guy who's like really worried about the timeline of people getting to the, to the, to the fountain of youth or him dying, whatever it is, he certainly likes to take his time playing mind games. Like going into his fucking room and then coming out like after a mutiny has happened, playing like, like gun roulette and then like and then also like okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna tie up the mermaid and we're gonna we're we're all gonna hide right and we're all gonna wait until the missionary comes to get her but but guys be quiet no 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 you're chuckling you're 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 laughing too loud no 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 you keep the lights off and then we're all gonna come out and we're gonna like surprise I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know if you, I don't know if your heart's in this as much. I just well, think also, you like, like playing games like, with people. Like they, they know, they know they need the mermaids here for this ritual. And even before that moment, Blackbeard's just like, well, if she's gonna like die, just like leave her here. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah, like, no, I mean, you, it, it, you need the tear, dude. Like, come on. I, yeah, I was like, I think you, like Blackbeard. I think you lost the thread of what of, of what's going on. That's but the it, thing. I think I think everybody. I think Ali and Rocio lost the thread. <laughs> thread so many times but i just remember in the theater just gobsmacked at this scene with the guns because i was like because we have been told that he is on a deadline and then he's like as soon as he's like fetch me six guns take out some of the bullets put them perpendicular towards each other but dude, this is why he's the like the most famous. Color core, color coordinate them, label them, label them appropriately. Uh, yeah, this is what dude find like, a rock to put them on. This is that's why he. Where'd they get the rock from? That's why he didn't show up for the maelstrom battle. He was too busy doing that to somebody else, and he's like, oh shit, like the entire seas at war. Fuck that. Oh my god, like I I just remember like dude, come on, like. That, and that's where I knew. And then, like, and, and I can't wait for you to watch the next one because there is, like, another one that's, like, that but worse. Oh, it's I just, can't. oh, it's so bad. Looking but forward it, to it. But it is, no, I mean, but legitimately, it's, like, it's a it's a period where, like, the movie inexplicably pauses for a scene that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. Cause then, cause it's like the whole, like all the lead up is like, again, it's like that trailer moment with the big Jack screaming thing as his voodoo doll goes down, which I guess is like, that is how voodoo dolls work. I guess, you know, right. Like you just, you know, and I, I, and well, and I, and I get like the idea is also like, maybe you're trying to be like, you're, you're trying, maybe they're trying to play the game. Like, will he, won't he kill his daughter? Is that the kind of guy he is? But I almost think it's like, isn't it more impactful that you just spend this entire movie like he is like kind of like even if begrudgingly listening to his daughter and then at the end when he makes that choice to take the one of the chalices for himself then it would be like oh shit like he like he really just cared about himself the whole time like i almost feel like that would have been better better angle to play yeah yeah. than to just like try to keep on like will he won't he and honestly like you're very like this all the scenes like i get like you know it's again that weird elliot and rose feel like we're trying to be kind of weird and and funny type of thing that they love to do in a lot of their movies but that's a scene you definitely could have simplified and let that plot move a lot better you could definitely been like i don't want to jump and then like all you needed was like jack being like I don't want to jump. He has the line of like, you know, that time when you're like, yeah, you know, you, you look down at the cliff and you feel that jumping feeling. I don't have. Or that how about this? Don't have a fucking cliff. Just have them go. That's fair. Because <laughs> they all go anyway. <laughs> just That's, take the scene that is out. The thing. Yeah, it's just like even if it's like, like, hey, I don't want Penelope to jump. Fine, I'll do it. You know, like what was like the thing? Like what happens afterwards? Does he like is that maybe I'm not remembering, but is that how he's separate? No. OK, I guess that's how that's he how he separates. Se- OK, that that's what it is. Yeah. Right. Because that's like because they need the chalices from Ponce de Leon's ship, which is right. like like, you know, and Jack is using his compass, which, again, also is like you kind of like just is used very conveniently here. So he doesn't really use it at all throughout the first part of the movie. You kind of forget he has it still. Uh, but he's like, it's leading them there. They need the ship. It's it's in the cliff. So that's where it was like, hey, we'll meet you over there at the Fountain of Youth or whatever. Um, I did like, yeah, because again, there's a lot of back and forth and we're just kind of waiting for something to really kind of happen in, in this kind of jungle area. But I did like when Barbosa's crew gets there. I liked this was kind of the really the real first hint of like, oh, no, he's still a pirate at heart when he leaves like the rest of the crew to like die on the ship from the mermaids. Mm-hmm. And, and and Graves is like, like, dude, we can still go back there. And it is like, what 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 do you hear? Like, I only hear the, the sounds of like, you know, the, the, I, I only hear seagull cries. Like, what do you hear? And then they see the ship like start going out. It's like, you know, or like seagulls cries it's it's all you know the goals you know whatever i that's all i hear and i'm like that's like we're like oh no he's still he's still barbosa yeah that's still yeah, the it, same thing where it's like he still he would do that to his pirate crew he does that to the the hms crew who he cares about less because he's he has a one he's on a one-track mind right now mm-hmm. i do like this this notion here's if you want another sketch idea because here's the thing because it's like so they kind of play it off as a joke where barbosa is for suddenly first of all again the pirates franchise is not learning that once you have a certain amount of runtime into your franchise whether it be through multiple movies or for a movie if you haven't introduced it yet then you you cut your losses okay we're 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 halfway through uh, more than halfway through the movie and now you're introducing that barbosa collects poisonous frogs okay it's just stop just stop like you had you had all the rest of the movie to do this and you did do that and they play it off as a joke where he's like i'm 
it's like oh like it's like it, it, I, I should say jeffrey rush the way he has that line is funny and he's like can, can a guy have a hobby no, can, <laughs> like, can, can an old man have yeah, a hobby I, I thought that was funny but then then you reveal his plan later and he's like listen i'm collecting oh my god <laughs> I'm collecting poisonous frogs and I'm using their poison to douse my blade so that when I find Blackbeard, I'm going to stab him with my poison blade. So I didn't even know I had massive opinions about this until I brought it up now. So bear with me. First of all, it's just too much. What are you doing? (laughs) It's just like, again, why are all these pirates just fucking around so much? What happened to the good old days where he's just like, I'm going to leave you on an But even then, he's like, all right, we're going to put you on an island. You get a gun with one bullet. <laughs> like these weird mind games. Like who came up with this rule? And now I'm thinking all the, all, like, how is he getting away with this? So he's collecting all these frogs. Is he making frog trips? Is he like telling people like when they make port, like, hey, go to the nearest frog wildlife store. Get me some poisonous frogs. Like, is he like rubbing them on the blade is he milking them is he is barbosa spending his his free time milking frogs like of their poison and then apparently it's so poison that if you touch it like you're done so is he just like uh all right let's okay it's all poisoned carefully put it into the sheath like and I yeah. remember when I saw when I saw this movie for the first time that all that stuff went through my head. I'm like, wait a minute, is it not enough? I mean, I guess in this world of like, I mean, and also this is a guy who, and Jeffrey Rush does have a great scene where he talks about the night that they took the ship, and right. about and and he really delivers it well, where he's like, our own ship turned against us, and I had to like I had to like cut off my leg, and and I and I like that to, just to pivot back to a real positive thing. I did like this moment earlier in the movie where he said that, oh, I lost the pearl, and it's kind of flippant, and then Jack gets mad at him because he's like. If that if that ship went down, then you should have went down with it. And then they do reveal later that there was more context to that that kind of connected them both. So I just like that plot point. But I do like the notion that here's a guy who's the worst night of his life that reoriented his whole life view that he's like, okay, I'm going to go undercover with people that I don't really like, and I'm going to change my whole outlook just for this mission. I'm going to start milking frogs. like, And he's like... But this guy who like has like a magic sword that your ship can like turn against you and he can shrink ships down to bottle size. And then his thought, he's like, you know what will get this guy? Frogs, poison frogs. Like it's gotta be a poison sword. That's what's gonna take this guy down. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, you know, poison maybe is an agonizing death, but I yeah. guess wouldn't getting stabbed also just be an agonizing death, but I don't know. They needed I mean, a way. Yeah, they, need, they needed a way for Penelope Cruz to also get poisoned. Like that's really. What oh, that that here. bug. That I hate shit like that in movies where it's just like. Also, why is she like? Why is she grabbing the sword by the blade? What are you doing, lady? Stop it! 
Like, I know she's not, I, I know, I, granted, I get it. She's not touching a sword thinking that a lunatic milked some frogs and rubbed it all on a sword. Because <laughs> who would think that? Like, no right person, nobody, maybe, well, actually, maybe that is the genius of Barbosa. He's like, I'm going to milk some frogs and rub them on my sword. No one will see it coming. That's what they're expecting. They're expecting me to be a skeleton man. Or, or like, they're expecting me to have some sort of, like, magic. Like, he thinks I'm going to come at him with, like, with magic. But no, I'm coming at him with poison frogs. Fucking assholes. Anyway, uh, but when they get together, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> they, they, so they basically, like, um, uh, they get the whole thing where they get on Ponce de Leon's ship and they got to keep it balanced and they both are on there. Which, again, fun little pirate's humor of them, like, going back and forth and Jack being kind of like silly but like in a, in a in a purposely silly way to like kind of like you know agonize barbosa and also try to get the chalices first. yeah I, get, and i liked all that that all that stuff was good they get to yeah. the chalice box and they discover it's already empty they know the spanish have already been there um so they they try to go to the spanish camp that's where we get your big thing of where uh you know it's like like i'm planning my escape route because then what you do and then jack's basically like you know sometimes it's just go with the what's given to me and he just goes in takes the chalices but eventually they get caught we get that big scene where barbosa goes to the backstory again li little fun moments between them where you know he takes off the peg leg to reveal it has rum inside that's gr that's a great bit that's that great is really bit. funny and jack's like i want me one of those yep yeah that's good that's really funny i agree yeah. and again it's just those two characters have a natural progression with each other yeah i all, all that stuff is good uh Jack's escape, though, that was a little bit like the whole thing where he climbs all the way up the tree. Well, it's just this is where the movie is just getting too long. Like, it's yeah. just like, get, come on, get to because I actually forgot, like, he kind of finds the area and then there's just so much left to the movie that I forgot yeah. about. Like, and then there's so much going back and forth. Just I, I think the movie could have easily had been at least 20 minutes shorter. Like, make it a good hour and a half, hour 25, and I think you would have had, like, a perfectly solid yeah. pirate It's just, movie. like, the whole ridiculous thing. Like, he ropes another tree, and he, like, you know, he, like, like, you know, moves it, and, like, the Spanish come, and they, like, like he flings away. It, it's, like, that's where some of, like, the most ridiculous of, the, like, the pirate's action where you kind of, it's almost like a parody of itself of just how absurd it is at, at a certain point or another. Um, again, like then uh, Jack and Gibbs reunite. And again, those characters have such good chemistry. The whole bit where like, you know, Jack is like trying to like not admit that he once had feelings for her, Angelica, and then like you know he has he phrases as stirrings and like stirrings. You mean feelings? No, not like feelings. More like <laughs> yes, damn you, feelings. Like and that whole that whole bit. And he's That's like, good. yeah, and like and Gibbs finally understanding like oh like I get it like. It's a little bit more than the other women you have set. Like, I kind of got it. I, uh, I do like this notion that, and this movie does it a few times where outside of moments like that, they, they do kind of still allude to that Jack is still like a good person. Yeah. Like, oh, so yeah. you, you kind of, when he does like be like, hey, I don't, I really don't feel like you should be messing with this black beard guy. Like, just generally, he's not a good dude. Don't mess with him. And even that little moment that we made fun of, like where he's like, he like screams out. He's like, ah, oh, don't, don't touch the, don't touch the, the milk sword. Like, don't, don't, don't touch it. <laughs> like, 
But like there, I always remember that stood out to me. Little things like that stand out to me a lot. And it stood out to me when I first saw the movie that I'm like, oh, that, you know, like he, like he knew and he didn't want her to get poisoned. Like I, I yeah. just like little moments like that. Uh, but, the, but basically they, they meet up again. The, the thing with the pig, it's fine. Um, and then they get to the fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the water, nice starts, why is, nice. the water starts going up. That's a little nice visual effect. Mm-hmm. The little bit inside where like Jack is like just clinking the, the little chalices together, thinking that that's what he needs to do and nothing happens. Finally, they open it up. Yeah, it's a nice like little like temple type set, you know, and then we get the big crazy battle between Blackbeard's people and uh, Barbosa's crew where he still has like them under control. Again, the whole bit where they're like, Oh, like, you know, I've, I've come for my revenge. You know, you, you took my leg away from me. And then Jack tries to, like, stop everybody from fighting where it's like, listen, like, this is between them. Like, why are we all fighting? And they're like, come on, man, like attack. And Jack's just like, all right, fine. Like, that's what you want to do. Uh, Graves gets merc- I, uh... like mercilessly killed. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. He bites after it. All he went through. He just gets like he basically like gets killed. And Barbosa's is like, get off of me, you nerd. Yeah, we probably looked over and he's like, wait, isn't that Jack Sparrow? One of the best pirates I ever. Oh, <laughs> like, isn't it that guy? <laughs> isn't it that guy? Isn't it that guy? I always think of that scene in Guardians 2. It's like one of the best, like, st- stopping a fight. That, that scene where he stops a fight. I think it's Rocket. And he's like, and he's like. He's like, there must be a way. It's like there must be a way to so, uh, to solve this without everybody killing each other, or preferably an option where that happens and I'm standing over there, <laughs> like or something like that. I, I always love that mm-hmm. bit. But then, like, then the uh, uh, the, the, um, the Spanish show. Yes, the Spanish show up, and then and the twist. Kind of, yeah, the twist of it because traditionally in in life, you know, it was the Spanish. <laughs> Well, no, in life, it's like traditionally in legend, it's the Spanish and, and them who's like are spearheading the, the the view for the Fountain of Youth. And it's like yeah. Ponce de Leon was like, you know, Portugal and Spain and that whole rivalry and everything. And then we get to this moment where the big reveal is that the Spanish were not after the Fountain of Youth. But and this was even planted in that scene with the king earlier where there's like, I won't have those Christian heathens like getting a myrtle life. Like essentially the the, the Spanish are like, this fountain of youth is an abomination to God. Only God can grant eternal life. So we've come to destroy the fountain of youth. Right, right. Yeah. So that's what they do. They 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 destroy the fountain of youth. <sighs> they do that. And then like and then Blackbeard's like, well, this isn't going my way. And then and then like and then some some asshole cuts his hand with a sword and he's like, well, that's weird. Why would somebody cut my hand with a sword? It's not like it would be have milked frog all over it. So I should be good. No, doesn't, no, no doesn't he stab? He stabs. Oh, well, no, he, he okay. No, he does because he cuts his hand first and then he's like, oh, what? Who cuts a hand? And then he stabs him. That, yeah. Right. And, so then, and then Penelope Cruz grabs the, the, the blade and scratches her own hand too. <laughs> Barbosa has like kind of this funny moment where after he kills him, like he picks up his sword and he's like, it's mine. <laughs> I call dibs. Dibs on the ship and the magic sword. That do they do they ever explain the magic sword? Do they no, ever that, say I, that's because it's I, like that, it's like Triton. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. it's the sword of Triton. But that's what I mentioned earlier. Like none of Blackbeard stuff has any backstory, so he just has the sword that controls ships that he uses once. And again, Barbosa makes fun of that fact when, when he's like, "You dare come to me with your sword?" Barbosa's like, "Yeah, dude. Like you're nowhere near your ship. Like, right? I, right. I, like I'm I'm totally fine here. I oh, you want it? You want it? You oh, you want to compare swords?" <laughs> 
it's like, well, <laughs> guess. <laughs> it's like my sword has milked frog all over it. What are you going to do with your magic sword? Hashtag milk frogs. Can that be your tweet when you retweet yes. like this episode? I cash frogs. Hashtag milked frogs. This guy, this guy thinks he's coming at me with a magic sword, and he thinks he thinks he's got the upper hand, but he has no idea. What's he has no there. idea. He has no ship. He has no idea, <laughs> he's, man. He's got no ship, and I got bottles full of frogs. How many frogs? How? Well, I guess that's the thing, because I guess the thing does is he, like, does he keep the frogs, or does he like, does he kill, does he like wring the frogs out like a like a dishcloth? I'm guessing like, like well, because he takes all these different poisonal frogs. So then, is this like just a super poison? Like that's why it works so fast? Because he he has well, all I mean, the, all, so the assumption I took first of all, I'm sorry, I'm saying, how do you extract poison from frogs? But like, I I had always assumed that he had been doing this ever since that happened, and then. He was just like, okay, well, this happened, so now I'm going to start collecting frogs. Do you think it started off as, like, a hobby, like a real hobby, where he got really engrossed in frogs, and then he learned about how poisonous poison frogs can be? And yeah. he's like, I know what I'll do. You know what? I, I In my head now, again, I'm kind of cocking this backstory. I think he, like, he first joined, like, the Royal Navy as sort of this thing where it's like, okay, I got to get back on my feet, get back on a ship. I got to find a way to beat Blackbeard. And at first, he's, like, kind of like, you know, yeah, he's, like, a, a ranked pirate, but they don't trust him. So they're sending him out on, like, the kind of the research missions. And he's like, oh, man, maybe I regret this. Maybe I should go back to piracy. And then he sees his <laughs> first poison frog and the light bulb goes off. And he's like, hmm, wait a minute. I think I have an idea. So apparently you can like you you, you can like you, there, there's like a membrane on the frog that you can extract the poison from. It's a hey, really expensive hobby. And then you just got and then you got to put it all on the sword and you got to make the swords covered. And, you know, you got to keep doing that all the time. Yeah, because like, does the poison keep? Is it just always a poison Cause, sword? Well, Because you never know when Blackbeard is going to show up. Like, that's the thing. Like, can you imagine like if it was like Barbosa's like. Wait a minute, that's a Queen Andrew French. Where's my poison? Gotta get, <laughs> like, gotta get the sword. Does he have a guy that does it? Like, I don't understand. What a ridiculous plot point. What a, like, just so, and you could tell that they, that they thought that they were nailing it. They're just like, oh my God, hoisted on his own poison petard. Like, it's like, no, that's not what happened. Like, you would think like he would hang him with like a noose or something because that's what he was doing. He was always like control the fucking And that's how Blackbeard died in real life. Yeah. Or how about this? He, he cuts his hand, picks up his sword and stabs him. Like what kind of. What what kind of like poet? But we all know Barbosa's like a man of flair and like yeah. and like nonsense. Like he's like, well, I can't kill him with an apple. I don't know how to do that. You know that was his first choice, right? He's like, I'm gonna get Blackbeard to eat a poison apple. That's what I'm going to do. Well, like, how do I get a poison apple? Frogs are poison, so I can't put a, I can't put a frog in an apple. There's no way for me to do that. But it's like I can put a frog on a sword. I can do that. Can you imagine though if it was just it wasn't even dipped in poison it was just the sword was covered in frogs like there was just frogs all over. Oh yeah, that was his like that was his, his, his that was his um his first plan and then he's like I think there's a better way to do this. I can't believe you talked this much about the poison. Cuz it's sword. so stupid. It's so ridiculous. 
And then he's like, and then he stabs him. And then that's the thing. You don't think like, just like as if, and I have to say, because you know they nailed it because Jeffrey Rush nailed the whole like, for the pearl. <laughs> like, and you and you kind of buy it. But I do love when he like calls dibs on the, uh, on the on the on the ship and the sword because it is yeah. really funny how he does it. He's like, and they all I get it. it's mine. Yeah, and it, and he uh, they all run away, and Jack's there with a dying Angelica and a dying Blackbeard, and he gets the mermaid's tear. Oh, oh, my God! I forgot about this part. So like, they do this whole thing where like, they the chalices are thrown in this pool so nobody can use the fountain of youth, and then. Meanwhile, like the missionary and the mermaid are doing their own fucking nonsense. And then like, oh, yeah, we do cut back to them. They're doing their own nonsense of just like, I love you. And you're the most attractive mermaid demon creature I've ever come across in my life. Right. And then and then like, you know, I need you to free me, yada, yada, yada. And then so Jack needs the chalices. And then the mermaid pops up out of this pool, gives him the chalices and is like, do not waste this. Yeah. I'm telling you, do not waste this thing. Every everybody gets just one. Leaves. She just leaves. Yeah. And then so like, he has the chalices. Yeah, and their by the way, their whole plot line just ends where like you know like the these uh he you know the the missionary got stabbed to make the mermaid cry. You know he got like his like throat slit, but he's kind of alive. He's like, you know, please like I can help you. Just ask of it. I ask you for forgiveness. Ask, forgive. They kiss, and then he leads her under the water. It's the end of Splash. It's the end of Splash, except like, you know, and it's the same end of Splash where it's like, we don't know what happened to him. But like, who gives a fuck at this point? Nobody what cares. Happens? Nobody cares what happens to the missionary and the mermaid. It's it's the Willy Wonka. Oh, no, don't go as soon as they're as they're swimming off. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. And then we, we get to a slightly more compelling ending with Blackbeard and uh, Jack and Penelope Cruz and. I, I thought that stuff worked as well as it could. I, right. I, I thought it's a yeah. thing where it's like, you know, Jack gets like the last little water from the actual fountain of youth. Yeah. That like, cause the, the Spanish have destroyed it. Cause I like the Spanish. It's like, they destroy it. They're like, we've done what we've come to do. Yep. Let's leave. And they just, they leave. Uh, but like, he gets the last little water. He puts the mermaid tear in. Like we could, we could go after that one guy, but that guy's crazy. He's got poison swords. Like we don't, we don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> Well, I guess that's the whole thing because they also set up where like like Barbosa like looks at the Spanish earlier and they like he's gonna like sink him. It's like they didn't even look at us. So, like they don't really don't care. They just care about the fountain. Uh, but again, so he, Jack takes the things and he's like, yeah, this is the chalice with the mermaid's tear, and this is the chalice without. And it's like Black was like, that's the one with the mermaid's tear, right? Yes. And he just takes that one and drinks it right away. And then because Jack's like, no, dude, like come on, save your daughter. And he knows Blackbeard's gonna take that one, and just drink it. And then he like and. Penelope's like, that's great. I can save my dad. She drinks her and he starts walking through. He's like, actually, you know what? I got it. Might have gotten that mixed up. That was fun. I like that. And then Angelica's pissed. He's like, you bastard. And then the the waters of the Fountain of Youth rush over Blackbeard, take off his flesh. We get the 3D shot of the, the first 3D shot of the movie where his hand, his skeleton hand is sticking out of the water right at the audience, man. Right at the audience. With, with, with the exception of that one 3D shot, I actually did like visually how that looked. I just liked the idea that it was kind of like it's kind of like a water raiders. Like yes. it's like yeah, yeah it's I, essentially I, what it is. I, I enjoyed that. I, I I thought that was kind of cool. Right, and then uh, there's that happens right. Um, and Pen- Penelope's pissed because she's like her whole thing, her whole character was like, I like my dad, 
And now she doesn't have her dad anymore. So she doesn't no. have a she doesn't have a character anymore. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um Barbosa gets on the ship. We talked about the moment where he like uses the sword and he's like, he's a pirate again. And they uh they found his hat in in a in a, a Blackbeard's collection, um, which is great. And then he gets his hat back. He's like, we sail with the tide. I'm a pirate again. But how great is that? That's how you know a character works. Because I remember in theaters and he got his hat back. I'm like, good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He got he got the hat back. He, Barbosa is back. And and it seems so silly. But like little I- iconic imagery like that counts for something. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our other kind of plot line gets to an end when uh, Jack Baroon's Penelope Cruz on the island right and there's some there's some fun bits where she's trying to beg for her life I, the, the bit where she's like no wait i'm with your child but we never no you were really drunk i've never been that drunk yeah yeah and he's that like he, yeah and he's running away she gives him the gun with the one bullet and she wastes it trying to shoot him which is that that was funny to me like yeah. that, that we're like, like that. every other per like jack saved it for such a long time and everybody other person is just like about like saving it and like she is like very impulsive just shoots it and 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 that that was great you missed me uh then he reunites with gibbs who he had sent off to get his ship back the pearl Mm -hmm. and gibbs of course collected all the other ships uh you know and they can they can have a whole fleet Uh, i did like how i did like how jack the monkey is still in is is on the ship that's the other 3d shot when they they do a little 3d jump scare when they look inside the ship and then the monkey, Jack the monkey comes up and he's like, ah, and then he's like, I still hate that monkey. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like The little that. ridiculous bit where they don't know how to actually get the ship out of the bottle. So they're like, I need three goats and a guy that can go, ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's like it, the, that's like, that was tra- definitely traveling into like the parody Jack territory. Like, which Jack, again, mostly pretty good throughout this film. That yeah, was- that, that was like the thing I was most surprised about that I'm like, okay, he hasn't quite lost it yet. In this movie, but it really is. I mean, now that we're at the end, it really is like a tale of two movies, isn't it? Like, it really is like the the stuff at the beginning is really solid, and then it's like okay, and it's enjoyable. But then they get to the island, and then pretty much everything after that. I mean, it really is the first hour of the movie is is fine. It's enjoyable enough, and then it's just you just realize after that first hour how non interesting it is. As it goes. And that's kind of what I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then this just ends with like sort of like, yeah, Gibbs asking Jack why he didn't drink from the Fountain of Youth himself. Like he, he could have had the immortal life. And he's like, well, like he's realized that, you know, sort of that fear, like th- it, that not dying is like the fear of dying or the possibility of death is part of that pirate's adventure and that like, you know, he he discovered the fountain of youth. He'll, his stories will be told forever. He will be immortal in some way. But like, you know, he has to like I, 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 the concept is like the ability that knowing that it could end at any time lets me live life to the fullest, which I think is actually a pretty good definition of the Jack Sparrow character. Yeah, but I also thought that they touched upon this earlier in an interesting way, too, because they insinuate that like Jack is all about the fountain of youth, but was less interested in it when it came down to like, well, you got to find a person to take the life from. And I thought that that was like an interesting kind of wrinkle that yeah that's bounced off right. of everything else because like I, I think we learned that at the end of the day in all the other movies that when it came down to putting somebody else 
when it came down to another life having to be like taken away for his own benefit, he usually wasn't on board with that. So like I, it did like, I mean, specifically in this movie, they're like, well, you need, you need like a sacrifice. You need a victim. And he's like, oh, that's, that's way less appealing. <laughs> so I just, I, I thought that that was also an interesting, I think what you're saying is right too. It, it does strike me as like the, the fancier flashy, good feel good message at the end of the movie though too uh it's a pirate life for him savvy and the Mm -hmm. credits roll on pirates 4 i again i was very surprised that it really wasn't as bad as i remember it's still not like perfect and it's still not really a great movie like i think all three of those pirates films before it are definitely way better than this oh yeah yeah like yeah but it's just one of those things was like I definitely did not hate watching it. Again, I'm not really going to go back and immediately like, hey, I like let's let's have a screening, let's reshow everybody this movie. But like, I'm not really going to go on my way to watch it again. But like, I really didn't mind watching it. I really like. I thought it was just like a serviceable time. No, I I completely agree. I echo all that. I do think, and maybe this is just speaking from a franchise point of view, but one of like the little death nails of it is that. And I think this is how a lot of people felt. It did not really end in a way that you wanted to see more. No, like I yeah, like that even, was really that. Yeah, especially yeah. It's not like that. that no other hanging threads. I mean, they do because have even this- like, but even at World's End was like when it ended. Even though if you weren't expecting or wanting another one, there was this sense of like, and then the adventure continues. And what else is he going to do? And like, oh, like what is the adventure of Jack and the Fountain of Youth? I don't end this one thinking like, what is the adventure of Jack and the and the ship in the bottle like i don't like i don't i'm I'm not as like wondering going forward and yeah so i think that was like i think a uh, like a hill that that this movie found that it needed to climb over like after it ended yeah there's also a post-credit scene by the way yes there is where uh she gets uh the jack the jack doll washes up on shore and then she smiles at the camera and then we never see her again and then don't worry about it don't the, worry about it. Don't worry about it. She's still on that island to this day. Yep. All right. Well, uh, with that, we have uh, our aftermath. It was released uh, in uh, North America on May 20th, 2011, with its Disneyland World premiere on May 7th of that same year. Uh, again, it was a very successful film. Um, with a $1 billion gross worldwide, $241 million in the United States or North America, uh, and 804 in the rest of the world, was the third highest grossing film of that year, and it is the second most profitable film in the Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Uh, it scored a then IMAX worldwide record weekend with $18.6 million in IMAX, and uh, it had an opening weekend of three hundred and fifty million worldwide. Uh, yeah, third that year behind Deathly Hollows Part Two and Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Good for it. Uh, critically, it was pretty ravaged. Uh, it was uh, uh, was funny as we talked about a lot about the length. This is actually the shortest pirates film. No way. Well, I get. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but it still feels long, and and people did um, appreciate sort of like it wasn't as bloated as at World's End, which was you know a big 
criticism of that movie, but it just didn't have the spark that those first three films had at all. And generally, like, like once the film was seen, it was just audiences didn't really love it, you know, and, and critics didn't really love it, though it did make it again. It's billion dollar gross. Um, so there was a lot of a, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit when we talk about our next Pirates movie, but there was a lot of a reset here once the kind of like actual critical happenings were here and i think like a lot of what happens after this movie with both um the pirates franchise uh with disney and with depp is very much on the fact that there was a lot of interest from disney at this specific point to do like a new trilogy and and maybe that like that post credit scene would have led to like a, a penelope cruise return and maybe there were more adventures to tell in sort of an immediacy uh but it's, it's going to be interesting to talk about how this movie's critical failings actually does affect it going forward, especially with the, what we talked about earlier with the rest of what's happening in Disney at this time and sort of the Depp magic, the Depp Hollywood magic is kind of slowly dissipating that this, mm-hmm. this, this was kind of the last of its peak era. To oh, they, oh, people definitely just became less charmed with him and the character 100%. And just like the, the all like the every single quirky performance that he did, not just in Pirates, but these other franchises. So, well, that, see, that's the thing, though, too. It's like when you look at it, it's like, you know, he has this character that he's doing that even as we said in this movie, he's he's still kind of on point. But all of his other characters were just like these wacky characters and people just got people just got kind of exhausted from it, uh, frankly. Yeah, and, and and definitely that's something that will definitely come up once we get to Pirates 5. And when, when we talk about Pirates 5, and we talk about what, what the future of this franchise is, because there's a lot of discussion even now about what, you know, what what the future of a Pirates of the Caribbean, a new movie or a new Disney Plus series, what that would hold. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, I guess we'll talk about a Pirates movie next time, right? Yeah, yeah, it's um. Unless you don't want to, we don't have to. No, we, we gotta. It's it's you know. No, it's, we can it's, we can we, we can watch the Lone Ranger. I would rather watch the Lone Ranger than what we have to watch. Yeah. I because I remember the next one way more. Honestly, think, we should probably whether no. it's next. We should no, watch. We, the Lone we, Ranger. we just gotta we just gotta power through. All we right, we got okay. It. We'll rip the bandaid off and then yeah. we'll watch the Lone Ranger afterwards. Because yeah. I'm, I'm actually said that watching it as part of the series. We'll watch Pirates Five next time. Next time, we're gonna get to the most recent Pirates film. We're gonna talk about. Uh, I know some things about it. I haven't seen it, oh, but we are boy. gonna talk. I know Orlando Bloom's in it. I know we. Uh, there's a lot about Orlando Bloom's kid, not his actual kid, but his in-world kid. Um, and more Johnny Depp adventures are ahead of us as we talk about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Part five, Dead Man, Ten No Tells. Yep. I said that very weirdly, but yeah, well, we'll, do this. we'll see. Uh, but our next recorded episode will be Star Trek, and that's another oh one. Oh my god! Oh god, no! <laughs> we're we're on a roll right yeah, here. Yeah, hey, yeah. We're, we, we're... we got to push through at least Star Trek Beyond. Like we're gonna get there soon. But that's next time. We got to talk about Khan again. We got to talk about the, the the mystery box. Yeah, we got to talk about what went wrong with this Star Trek reboot franchise, and we talk about Star Trek Into Darkness. A lot of a lot more J.J. Abrams discussions coming forward. Uh, no milk frogs in that movie, but 
No. Hopefully we'll find something to 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 to, 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 to milk to milk out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a tough couple episodes, but we do it for you guys. So I guess that's all there is to say about it. All right, bonzillapod at gmail.com, twitter.com slash bonzillas07. Like and subscribe, iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your kids, tell everybody. We're still, we're still kicking it. We still enjoy this, so thank you for listening. I pointed, I, I pointed at my Zoom camera as if I'm pointing to you, the audience, but I'm really just pointing to you, Will. Thank you for listening. They need to find a way to like signify how you can point on a audio on a format po- on yeah. an audio format like mm-hmm. hey i'm pointing at you at you the listener you we'll see you yeah. next time bye-bye I support the missionary's position.